Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Folks, welcome to episode number 90. We are creeping up on that 100 mark. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, speaking of 100, the heat has seemed to have broken a bit, Fran. This Mm -hmm. week was not as unbearable as the past couple have been. It actually was a really nice day. One of the days, it was like... I wore a hoodie in the morning. It was like sixty-five. Yeah. yeah yep. it was, so, so you know, hopefully the whor- the Lord heard our prayers. But usually, see the thing about Mother Nature is, as soon as you let your guard down, yeah, come through with one last week where it's like one hundred five, one hundred five, one red mm. alert. Don't go outside. Boom. So I'm not gonna say that the summer has broken yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be that confident when August is right around the corner. Right. But it's I, I pray. Yeah. And that's all I'm gonna say on that. Um. But July, uh, the the July heat has been, there's been no shortage of insane stories for the summer. And the uh, to add to that list of insanity for this July 2019, have you heard about this uh, bot human chop shop they found in Arizona? Oh. Man, the FBI, apparently some kind of, it was, it was under the guise of it being a body donation. So are you an organ donor? I am. Okay, I don't know if this was a... Apparently, it was called a quote-unquote body donation center. So, I, if you Never sign or, over your body rights, I don't know, to science, this place, okay. it, your body would go there, right? You know, they have this... I don't know if it's... They had this exhibit a few years ago, probably like 10 years ago at this point. I never went to go see it, unfortunately, but I think it was in Philly for a bit. It was a human body museum. So, you go in and it was like they had done all kind of stuff, like taxidermy, the bodies basically... Didn't they have one see, here? They might have. I didn't, they might have got here. I think it was I here at one I point. Didn't, I didn't go see it. But it was all human bodies in the thing. Hmm. So I would assume that when you sign over that, your rights to your body, to whoever you do it to, mm-hmm. you're assuming it's going to be something like that. Yeah, or, something scientific. So, yeah, something yeah. scientific. Man, they went into this place, and I don't know if it was a situation where, like, um, in Detroit a, few, a couple years ago, a funeral home shut down, and, mm-hmm. like, a guy it went out of business, and they just they just closed up shop. I don't know. How does that? How does that bodies work? in here? I don't know, man. We don't have any more money. We're bankrupt, so no, 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 no. lock the door. It has fifty <laughs> bodies in here. There was bodies in the ceiling and all type of stuff. Anyway, has, it, I'm sorry, but it has to be. It has to be some type of process. Yeah, like <laughs> for a funeral. Hit them over to another funeral home. You can li- liquidate it to another yeah. funeral home or something. No, just <laughs> lock the doors, and what's in there is just in there. Wow. We, we we have wiped our hands of any responsibility. 
Anyway, in Arizona, this this body donation center shut down, and after a lawsuit, they had to get you know permission to go into the, in the into the building or whatever. The FBI went in there. It was all kind of body parts, and it turned out that the, they were doing like black market body part sales, which is one thing to donate or to sell organs on the black market, but I don't know how you sell somebody like an arm. Yeah, that to me screams cannibalism or yeah. something. I don't know what else you can do with it. But they went in there, they had dudes' heads sewn on women's bodies and all kind of experimental shit was going on in there. They said it was horrific. It was pe- wow. the, the 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 detectives and stuff said it was one of the worst things they ever seen. They had a, bu- a bucket of dicks and 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 all just insanity, man. All kind of chopped up like a like a butcher shop, but like a low grade. It it failed the health inspection, so it was just like a bucket of turkey giblets. Uh you know, uh one of those aluminum pans full of you know, ox tails or whatever, but it was like fingers, t- human tongues, human ears. Just how's like, that, but how's that a group of people that's 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 in? I mean, listen, man, I know it's a, possible. There's a market for everything, but I mean, like, just a group of people. So this was a, it was like a business, a business. But like it, it looked like it, a, it looked like a. The building looked like it was in a. Uh, you know how they have those like. um just plazas mm-hmm. like a like a business center like a bunch of a bunch of businesses all sharing a, a block of connected buildings it looked like one of those so but was it was it out of was it a business prior to that that was out of business and they just yeah they went in and they, changed they, it to something else? there was some kind of lawsuit was filed and that made them close up shop and because they, they were just... under the guise of being a, a body donation center but it closed down. It closed down, and then they, and then they got they got a lawsuit put up against them because it was some funny shit going on. FBI got a warrant to go into the building. Boom, bodies, dicks, and buckets. I want to know what happened. They I had a know. they had a human. They had a male a male head sewn onto a woman's body. Why? For what purpose is that? That's just that's sick. Like that's that's not science. That's not. Uh, trying to find a cure to something. Yeah. That's just, hey, oh, look, around. I got a man body here. I got a woman body here. Let me cut the head off here. Put it on here. Boom. Look, that's funny. Or like, let me see what my capabilities are sewing-wise, if I can stitch this body up to do that. I wonder what, what got suspicious, though, for me for them to go be, be like, you know, we need to... Well, I'm sure as a people, uh, family members, when the funeral was like, oh, yeah, no. But they, they don't need it. And then, exactly, that's then it's mean. like, well, what are you doing with my son's body? That's you know confidential. I'm, this is all conjecture. I'm just guessing. that's what I'm saying. I'm just but right. I would assume is I would bet that it started with the family, uh, you know, with the un, you know questions of where. What do you mean? I can't have a funeral with my son or my daughter's body. Where is oh, it okay. going? Well, it's, they donated it to us. Well, what are you doing with it? You know, science. Just science. That's what does crazy. that mean? Oh man, we can't get into that. That's that's classified. So the shit was wow. a nightmare, bro. It was insanity. I don't want to see any photos. I don't want to see anything from it, but the story itself sounded horrific. That's some shit I go. You know, I can't. Here's my badge. I don't, yeah, I have been like, ah, uh, nah, man. I gotta, I gotta. I'm going on vacation. You want me to do what? Pick up a bucket of dicks? I'm sorry, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do that, man. <laughs> I, I have tenure. I, I've been here for wow, 15 years. That's crazy. I'm invoking seniority. I'm not, I'm not picking up a bucket of dicks. But yeah, it was, it was a nightmare, man. Along with that. Uh, news just came down the pipeline from the uh, Trump administration that they are reinstating federal uh, the death penalty federally again. I heard about that. And I know that I feel like we were on the opposite sides of the death penalty. So I wanted to get your take on how you feel about the death penalty one more time now that it's there. They have a list of five people that they're starting with, like 
basically the, the Every, this guy everywhere? William Barr, who's in the Trump administration, came out and was like, hey, green light. Whatever, whoever's on death row and federally, go ahead. You can start it up again. So they got five people already that now that it's ready to go again, those are the five people that they're going to kill. Um... Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like, I, I don't remember exactly what your I think stance we is. was on different. We looked at it differently, but I think I agree with you on some parts of it. Right, right, right. As far as if they're going to use that, if they're going to do death penalty, uh huh, they should be able to convict that person one hundred percent. Yes, yes, completely, absolutely, not, not half ass. No yeah, mm-hmm. fifty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like not seventy five percent. He, we think he did For it. Sure. No, yeah. Make sure he did it, whoever the person is did the crime. That's hard. And that's what I'm saying. That's then hard if, to do. But if you can't, I don't think you should. They should use that type of. That's the thing. Though. Do Not only that, right? But there's already so many people that are on death row right now mm-hmm. who 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 were convicted that might not have done it. You know what I mean? So not only are we talking about going forward, we're talking about if you're starting the machine back up again, then that conveyor belt's going to that you know lethal injection chair, and it might be a guy. Or fifty, or a hundred. Who knows how many who really were railroaded by the system? They really are innocent. And now you started the conveyor belt up again, and, and the Innocence Project, or you know, who whatever these other organizations are. That's just the one that I know the most about. Haven't gotten around to that case yet. Well, I was hoping it wasn't. It wasn't a situation where it was like, what do we do with these? These files. I mean, what is it getting? We getting backed up. So we, just kill them. We need to. We need to. Get rid of them some way. I was hoping that you wasn't going to say that. That's no, I, but well, no, because from my understanding, these private prisons make more money with beds with uh, heads on the beds. Okay, well, never you know, that. so right. clearing out space. Now I don't know if that's the same. I don't know if death row patients get treated differently. Like they don't they don't make stuff or if that's the case, then I could go. We could go conspiracy on that. If death row, if people that are on death row. Just sit on death row and are locked away and don't make license. They don't make license plates, but they make. They do all. They do more complicated. They make shirts and clothes and really? all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, the, 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 the private. Up? Yeah, the private prison industry is slave labor on a scale that we have not seen since slavery. I mean, they're making ten cents, crazy amounts of money to make products that genuinely go out and people buy soap, all kind of stuff. Are they really? Yeah, they're making stuff that goes in, and is sold in stores. So you, mm. it's not it's not like you're making something just to, you, you need to contribute back to society and we need you to do something that is just, you know, making the prison better. A chain gang used to, you know, break rocks and build yeah. stuff or whatever that you can see is, you know, helping out the prison around them. They're building up a, whatever, whatever the case is. But you making uh, cell phone cases isn't teaching you anything. You're just making cell phone cases for somebody, a, a company to sell. Yeah. That's slavery. I, you know, and, and they might be making money, but if you work for five years in prison, terrible conditions, the conditions don't get any better even though you're, it's a job, mm-hmm. you're working, and then after five years you get out and they give you a check for $250. Wow. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy shit like that. You know, like, oh yeah, five years you did... You worked 40 hours a week. Here's, here's $400. Bye. You know, so shit is crazy, man. Those wow. prisons are fucked up. But that's beyond... Now, but my point is, 
I didn't think about that point you just said. But if people sit on death row and when you get on death row, you're uh, exempt of duties, mm-hmm. that that could be the dark side. They might, they might go, well, when you put, we need to get this machine back rolling because all these people are doing is eating up the food and you know keeping the lights on in the in that place because those that makes a lot of sense. Those private prisons, the margins are Especially so the margins are so thin that they count all that shit. Yeah, uh, they they yep. they're eating four hundred pieces of bread. There's four hundred people on death row in this half of the state of the country that's 400 pieces of bread 400 scoops of mashed potatoes the lights that in that death row section cost this much money it's money but the fractions are of cents is they they penny pinch in prison you know so Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible man it really is possible but that's not what they're obviously that's not what they're saying the reason is i don't they haven't really said a reason they're just like you know if you well you if you murder two people basically they're playing that card it's the law and order card where they're saying People, if you kill people, you should de- you deserve the death penalty. Mm. The only problem with that is there are people in prison for murder who that are that that didn't do it. Right. So don't show me people who did do it and say this is the reason that you're starting the death penalty back up because there's still so many people currently in prison who haven't gotten their chance to prove their innocence because they were wrongly oh. convicted. And also for future people who might be at the wrong place at the wrong time, man, there's this documentary on HBO called What Happened to Garrett Phillips. About this murder in upstate New York, this 12-year-old boy got killed, and I don't know who killed him, but the dude they tried to pin it on, I'm not convinced that he did. He didn't do it. I, I, can, I can't say that with 100, because I don't know. I wasn't there. There's no cameras, but the whole city turned against him. They, they wanted this man in jail, man, and really, what, really, they wanted to kill him. It's a black white guy. It was a black guy in a predominantly white town. He was dating a white woman. The kid was white. He was the only black dude in town. Her ex-boyfriend was on the police force. And they started dating while she was dating. They started dating while she was dating this police officer. So the white guy, like, got his girl stolen by a black dude. So there's all these kind of racial, you know, elements and undertones at play. And the whole town, they, they condemned him and they had no proof. But if they had the death penalty in that town... And he would have got convicted. They would have put that man on death row. Is he on death row now? No, he he beat the case. He beat the case. Oh, okay. He beat the case. But if he wouldn't have beat the case, he would have been on trial on like with the death penalty as as the high. They would have gave him. They would have tried to charge him or convict him and put him on death row. Uh, that's so rough, people. Man. You know, so you reinstate this, and now you put that on the table for whatever case sounds super bad. They're going to want to put death row on the table, but the person might be innocent. Five women were murdered, but it's like, yes, that's terrible, but I didn't do it. And now I'm on, I'm on trial looking at death row because the trial, the, the, the murder is so gruesome, but I'm, I didn't do it. You know, so any kind of gruesome case, I'm telling you any of these cases where, uh, illegal immigrants, uh, kill a person, death row. Uh, that's what's that's what's going to be happening. That's what's coming down the pipeline. Any kind of story of she was just an innocent jogging white girl, and and then this Mexican. Oh, they not blink an eye on that. Yeah, that's but I'm saying they're going to be cranking out yeah. death penalties left and right. Any kind of story that tugs at the heartstrings of the Trump base while this administration's in office, the death penalty. Give them the death penalty. Mm. Oh my God, the the these black kids beat up an old man and whatever. Death penalty. It, it's going to be. It's gonna be nuts, man. If they're gonna do it, I want it. I want them to be fair. Don't don't make it just. That's a that's a tall order, bro. Just all these all of a sudden these all these black people getting death penalty. It's like what? What is going like? What is going I, on? I hope I hope that's not the case. I hope for fairness. 
But statistically, black and brown people are pulled over and arrested by police officers mm. more often than not. We get mistaken for people more often than not. We fit the description, quote unquote, more often than not. And that's how you end up in a case of mistaken identity fighting for your life uh, because you, I have dreads. They said a guy had braids. Well, you have some kind of hairstyle. What? You're black. So we're going to bring you in. All right, we bring you in. Hey, man. And you know those little word games they start playing. So we know you didn't do this on purpose. It was just a thing. And it's like, and if you're not smart enough to catch on what they're doing, anything you say can and you will be used against you in a court of law. So you might, they might be playing that game. Well, let's say, just play a hypothetical with me. You go and then you see this woman and she looks pretty and you try to ask her on a date and you, she says no. That would make you pretty mad, huh? Yeah, it make me pretty mad. Next thing you know, flash forward, you're in trial in court, and the the whole uh fucking uh the the story that they built is this man, you know, she spurned his advances, and so he got so angry that he hit her with a rock, and now she's dead. And it's like, wait, what? I didn't. This all came from some interview that I thought the guy told me I wasn't under arrest. We're just having a conversation, and now I'm on trial for murder. This shit can go. It can go that fast, man. Remember Longshot? Yeah, that shit the shit can go. The shit can go sideways that fast, man. And of course, I'm not saying people don't commit crimes in this country, but a lot of people are sitting in prison right now. And I know every, the whole story is nobody in prison did anything, but there really are people who are saying that, and they really, they, they really didn't do it. Stay my ass in the house. Fucking right. <laughs> I don't even want to. No, do. no. One of my favorite. Uh, that show, Blackish. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's an episode where like a little white child got lost in the office mm. and the elevator doors open up and it's like bing and it's like a little five year old girl in the elevator and Anthony Anderson's like nope nope <laughs> nope uh-uh. no nope. yeah no nope, I'm sorry and then everybody was like <laughs> oh my god how could you all the white people in the show were like what is wrong with you but all the black people were like uh, hey man it's a little white girl wandering around the uh, the uh, office so I want to make sure you saw me so that you my alibi yeah. <laughs> I, I'm they trying to set us up you know it's a, it's a funny joke but. Mm. It really can you it, you can just be at the wrong place at the wrong time and shit can go sideways real That's fucking scary, quick, man. man. But uh anyway, um let's get out of that. Let's let's try to pick things up a bit and get into these good vibes cuz huh, it's a strange cold world out here, man. Body parts everywhere. People getting convicted, you know, death penalties back on. The purge is coming next. But let's oh, get into man. let's get into these good vibes, man. Let's let's be positive. That's right, folks. Let's purge those dark, toxic thoughts out of our mind and get ready to ingest some good vibes. Fran, you got something for me? You want me to go first? How you want to play this? I'll go first. Okay, please. I got two good vibe stories. Oh, My first one is... um, it's about a Ugandan man becomes a lawyer to win back his family's land. Ooh. So it was the moment. It was a moment Jordan Kenyara, Kenyara had been waiting waiting for all his life. 23 years after his family's land was taken during his childhood when mm. he was just six years old, the High Court of Uganda returned the land to them in April. After Kenyara studied to become a lawyer to ensure that justice, just, justice would prevail. Nice. Now he is paying for it. He is paying it forward by helping family families like his and by spreading the word about land disputes in his homeland. Mm. Mr. Kenyera's father had lived on the same property since his childhood, but lost it after being sued by neighbors in a 1996 dispute. He had a lot of emotional attachment to it, having buried many of his deceased relatives on it, mm. including his brother, 
after whom I was named. Um, that's what Mr. Kenyera told CNN. When he called his 82-year-old father to give him the good news, he was overjoyed. He broke down crying. Mm. Mr. Kenyera worked through 18 years of school and legal training and now says that this knowledge, which he, which his retired father lacked, allowed him to um, adequately contest the case and motivated him to press on all those years. Yeah. A man that motivated is pretty scary. Yeah, man. I mean... That's fucking perseverance. Yes. You... you but I can understand because it's we're not just talking about some apartment or no. you know it's that's your legacy. Yeah. You got your fa- literally your family tree is buried on that land, you know. So I understand fighting for that. Yeah, yeah, man. But true. I mean, but go through law school. I'm sure that's what. You yeah, law man. school, and then that's call fucking Demon Hansu, the dude from Blood Diamond, nah. and make that <laughs> biopic, man. Because that 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 sounds amazing. Yeah. So he was also inspired by the intention to help others in the same position. Land disputes are common in Uganda, with 33-50% of landowners fighting for their rights at some point. According to the legal advocacy group, advocacy group Namadi, this is mostly because so many Ugandas, Ugandas became dis, displaced during war-torn years, then returned home to find their, their land hijacked. The issue is so widespread that the entire branch of the high court is... It's just dedicated to land disputes, Mr. Kenya ever told the C- the BBC. Hijacking. Yep. He has vowed that he and his siblings will work to fulfill their elderly fa- father's dream of the land. Meanwhile, he makes his father proud by simply providing hope to so many others. Mm. So I thought that was cool that, you know, he he grew up with that in his mind saying, yeah, I'm going a, I'm to a do yeah, this for my father. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like I said, man. Call Demon Hansu. I know Chadwick Boseman has kind of got that uh, African dialect, that Afrikaans on lock since Black Panther. I was kind of shocked that he didn't speak like that all the time. I was pretty upset. He's from like North Carolina. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. But Demon Hansu is actually African. Don Cheadle. It's some people that, you know, are lined up. I thought he was African. Who, Don Cheadle? Yeah. Man, you didn't see Rush Hour 2? Yeah, he wasn't. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm this. That this was years a, ago. That was many years ago. <laughs> that is a beautiful story, and I would not mind seeing that put on screen. I would much rather watch that than Rosa Parks the movie. You I know? didn't see Rosa Parks. The movie. Well, it, it's coming out. Oh, you know, and I, I I respect Rosa Parks immensely. I just think that we should take a break from these slave Who's movies. Who's playing? Um, she's actually a really talented actress. I don't know her name oh. offhand, but she was in um, this this movie. That did you see Widows? With uh, Viola Davis and uh, basically all their husbands die and then they were all like bank robbers and then Viola Davis and all the wives of all the husbands try to pull one last job because they they didn't give them the money when all the husbands got killed. So all Mm. the husbands got killed and they were kind of living this lifestyle Mm. and they were supposed to give the money to whoever they robbed the bank for and the guy was like, well, your husband's dead so I need my fucking money. Oh, and so Viola Davis was like, "Okay, well, we gotta, hey, me and you and all the wives, we gotta rob a bank because we gotta get this money. Hmm. But I can, we can rob a bank that we'll all get a nice piece of money. We're supposed to like set it off. It's like classy set it off. <laughs> set it off is it's a, a phenomenal yeah. movie, but it's incredibly <laughs> ratchet. Like set it off is a really ratchet movie where Widows is more." Elegant. Oh, okay. It's no. It's not like there's no uh, uh, um, Queen Latifah, like you know, straight backs with straight backs and a tank top. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's none of that. It's a little more um, elegant than that. More like um, 
more like Ocean's Eleven, like Ocean's Eleven, I guess. But like, it's not a funny; it's a mm. serious movie. But anyway, the one, the the, the young lady, she's in that, and she's playing Rosa Parks. Okay, I have immense respect for Rosa Parks. The Underground Railroad. She's freed a bunch of slaves. It's incredible. I'm just, I, and I haven't seen the movie yet, so I feel I might be being prejudging the movie. Mm. But I just, I'm tired of seeing black people with tattered clothes on and being called a nigger and being whipped in the back. I want to see beautiful stories about black kids time traveling and black movies or horror movies and uh, black people, uh, you know, going into outer space and astronauts. I just want to see stuff that's, that doesn't make people see us as that. Yeah. You know, because we're so much more than that, you know. Yeah. It makes black people seem monolithic. It brings back the, oh, yeah, man, slavery, you guys, man. It's just, and it, it makes people, I feel like it makes, it's it's like uh, programming. Mm-hmm. It makes them, it makes people see us as that yeah. and, and not able to get out of that box. So as much respect I have as I have for Rosa Parks, I just, I'm just kind of slave movied out. You know, I just, I, I'm just, I just, I'm a little bit slave movied out. So I would much rather see a movie about this man winning his land back in, Af- in in Uganda and going to college and, you know, beating the system. And that sounds beautiful to me. Yeah, beautiful story. Yeah. My other good vibe is I'm expecting Fran Jr. Uh, in December of 2019. His name won't be Fran Jr., though. Francisco. Something like that. I'm the only, <laughs> I'm, like I'm that. the only friend that's going to walk this earth ever. So. Oh, damn. Well, I don't know. Well, you might be, man. That yeah. was a very unique name. I've never, <laughs> I can genuinely say I've never met another friend self, so yeah. you might be. But. You don't want to pass that on. I respect it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. Congratulations, man. Thank that's crazy. It. I'm holding it down over here. You know, uh, no kid gang. Um, I, th- I feel like I'm the only 27-year-old that I know from here Like that, like, that you may know, I'm like I'm the only one left that doesn't have a kid. Yeah. That's how it feels. I don't think, <laughs> I, I, like just going looking around doing the math. Our circle outside of that circle. You went, well, Nick, he doesn't have kids. That's yeah. one, I guess. That's Me it. and him holding That's it down, it. you know. So. That is it. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna continue to hold it down. Yeah, man. And you know, uh, I was gonna play. Oh, let me do my good vibes. Yeah, fuck yeah. Let me do my good vibes. Mine's a quick one. Um. Because I would much rather talk about that. Um, basically, um, my good vibe story this week is a story that came out this week that says uh, cannabis can be 30 times more powerful than aspirin for inspl- for inflammation, according to a new study eyeing future opioid substitutes. Oh, I did see that, yep. So, um, basically, medical marijuana is quickly being recognized as a, as a viable alternative for pain relief. And now, for the first time ever, researchers have uncovered exactly how the cannabis plant creates important pain-relieving molecules that are 30 times more powerful at reducing inflammation than aspirin. The discovery, which was made by researchers from the University of Gulf, uh, unlocks the potential to create a naturally de- derived pain treatment that would offer potent relief without the risk of addiction to other painkillers because mm. the opioid ec- epidemic is tearing through the suburbs yeah. and that's why it's become an epidemic and they want to make uh, uh, people, when people overdose, uh, we're going to give people the death penalty and put people in life in jail for selling drugs, but the crack oh, epidemic oh, was... The people that selling it. Yeah. Oh, I'm about yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah. I, I thought know you it's said. a, it's I a national murder. It hit the suburbs, and now shit is crazy. You know, and 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 I'm not taking any way, anything away from people dying is people dying. Yeah. But it's just the facts. Like the crack epidemic, they told black people, "Hey, man, just tell them motherfuckers no. Yeah. If they try to sell you crack, just say no." But now it's like, oh my god, these drug dealers are tearing apart the community. They should be in jail for life, and they're killing these kids. They have the kids are helpless. It's, uh, 
it's a double standard that I don't really like, but yeah, people like people dying is people dying, and that's terrible. So if there's an alternative to that, I am all for it. And this this is not new. This is not news. You know, Why can't what I'm be legal, man. It's like awesome. weed has been proven time and time again to be a great alternative to all kinds of things. But big pharma is strong, man. But I feel like they're on their last legs, man. Like they don't want federal weed legalization because if you don't need aspirin or you know whatever billions billions of dollars lost man because weed is cheap weed is cheap man they could make it more expensive that's that's the only reason i feel like i think they make more money that's the only reason i feel like they haven't legalized weed yet is because they haven't found a way to for the government to fully regulate it Mm -hmm. and make money off of it the way they might be making off getting kicked back by these pharmaceutical industries. Mm-hmm. Once they figure that out, then I think they'll be cool with replacing big pharma and 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 letting weed be legalized federally. Now, if they legalize it, what about the whole employer type of thing? Like, you, I'm guessing they still won't allow you to. No, I mean you can't. I'm sure you can't Ooh. like. Sm- but the thing about weed is, it's not like alcohol. Yeah. You can you you shouldn't smoke weed at work. Period. Yeah, but if yeah. you got weed in your, I'm sure there's ways to tell. Like you smoked weed three days ago, yeah. as opposed to you're high now. Right. You know what I That's mean. That's different. That's different. You shouldn't do that. It's still, <laughs> it's this alcohol is legal. You shouldn't drink it at work. Yeah. The, my problem with my job is, if it's in your system, you that's sixty days mm-hmm. that you are you cannot work for sixty days, whether that's you smoked five days ago yeah. or whatever you mm-hmm. know. And there's a difference, you know. So if I'm not high right now. Why should I get in trouble? Now, I understand now because it's not legal here. Right. You know, so, but I'm saying if it federally becomes legal, I'm sure there will be some kind of way of telling you're high right now as opposed to you smoked two days ago. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, you know, and then, whoo! If they can do that, nighttime's gonna get a little more interesting around my house. <laughs> Tell me. The about dude's gonna be blasting. Mm, have me a doobie rap on. Have incense smoking, incense lit. You lost your damn mind. I come over here, but you got. Uh, What's up, brother? Litting up uh, uh, pictures that glue. You got the glow up. Yeah, I got like a, <laughs> a, a, a light up Bob Marley yeah. poster. Bob Marley driving a minivan. Incense every goddamn way. Yeah, what what up, this? I'm just trying to get connected to my third eye, my brother. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, back to because that that story is, it's news, but it's not news. Basically, that that story is to say. Come on, man. Just legalize it. Yeah. You know, because there's been so many other cases being made to, for legal legalizing weed. Anyway, back to you. Yes, you're having a kid. Incredible. What I was going to do, I'm not going to jump to the um, Good Vibes song yet, but I was until you play what we are going to play. I was going to play Just the Two of Us by Will Smith. Play that. Um, I, yeah, I guess I can. Yeah. But, well, we aren't, we aren't there yet. But the reason I was going to play that is because do you know the story behind that song? Mm. So basically, Will Smith was married. And he met Jada Pinkett. With his older, he had he had an older son, right? His older yeah. son. Mm-hmm. He was married, and then he met Jada Pinkett. Stuff went wrong with the wife mm-hmm. that he was married to, and then he ended up getting a divorce and started dating Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. And just the two of us was a song like to Trey, who was the oldest Smith, mm-hmm. who you know, tremendously overshadowed by by uh, Jaden Smith. It's not even fair. Yeah. But he's a Smith. He's got the money. He's he's a, he has the Smith lineage. He is a Smith. He's the first Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, that song was like to him hmm. to say, Hey man, look, I know, you know, me and your mom didn't work out. And I know that Jada is pregnant with 
the soon to be sire, the heir mm-hmm. to the throne. We don't know that at the time, but I think Will knew, and that's why he made this song. Like, look, man, that Jada is a beam of light. We are two eternal souls, and we are about to create uh, the chosen one. So, mm-hmm. it's but I still got love for you, fam. And then he dapped his son up in the music video and was like, "But you're still cool." And my question to you is, do you? I know it won't. You won't do it intentionally, mm-hmm. if at all. I don't think you do it at all. But Sophia being your first child, yeah. do you think, do you foresee in the immediate future as as also when the baby first gets here, mm-hmm. there being like a jealousy type of situation or any kind of thing like that? Is that a concern for you? Yeah. To make sure you know that she feels special because she's your first kid. Yeah. Yeah, because it's different. I mean, just it's 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 implicit bias. It's not on purpose, but it's like, it's your son. It's your first son. Yeah. You can play basketball. You can... You can relate differently to your son as a man. Mm. As much as you, you can try to relate and you can relate to your daughter as much as you want to and be there and go to the ballets and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, you want your son to play basketball and he yeah. does want to play basketball. You can ask Sophia if she wants to play basketball, but if she doesn't want to play basketball, then it's like, okay, well, that's that's something, that's an interest that me and her could have that she doesn't want to have. Mm-hmm. But your son could, your son might not want to play basketball either, but your son could want to play basketball and then it's just that's something she sees you doing that she might go what? you know yeah so are these concerns that you might have yeah are, are, is there is there anything that do you have any advice and or are there any things that you plan on doing to try to make sure that this doesn't happen um probably find something that she likes to have that bond like, try to find yeah yeah because sure. it's different it's different when you're a guy and yeah, you yeah, have a sure. son and for then sure. you have a daughter sure. it's different for sure. but uh i guess you can just try to do what she likes or something like that i mean i don't know this is i don't know how i'm how i'm gonna take it when it when it happens right 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 but right. she will i think um when she gets older she'll always know that's i don't care what nobody says your first one is it's more important i'm sorry <laughs> people can say what they want people can say what they want yeah, yeah, but for sure that's your, your first, first kid child. it's, it's first on child. it's just it's something, it can never be done again. That right. first time you first saw time. a kid and you, you, you something you created, that no matter how many kids you have, one of them could become the president and all this kind of stuff, it's still that moment, it can't be duplicated. Right. So I understand that, even though I don't have any children. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as I just wanted to even, it sounds like it was already something that was in your head, but if it's, I wanted to talk to you about it because now if it's definitely in your head, you be you'll be a little more prepared for it maybe when the time comes. Yeah, I was I was thinking more to of, say every Tuesdays daddy daughter ice cream day or whatever, yeah. and you just do that till she's like eighteen yeah. every day. Every I, you know, something. I was thinking more. I think about more of um, when the baby gets here, she probably gonna start getting a little jealous, right? But that's because she's spoiled though. Sophia is really spoiled, so she gets you taking you take something away from her because now it's like like just happened yesterday. I had a milkshake from Chick Fil A. When you have kids, I told you this before, when you have kids, uh-huh. and you have something, you will not have that whole thing. <laughs> so, because they go, you know, can I have it? And yeah. It's like, then it's just theirs now. Take it. <laughs> and then Steph got some, uh-huh. and then she went on a temper tantrum, stomping her feet, went upstairs, and it's like... Got some of the milkshake that you had gave to her? Her. It's hers. She goes, it's mine. Oh, and Steph wow. takes some, and then she goes crazy. So it's like... <laughs> And it's like you can't explain to a three year old. You have a, a a sibling coming. That's gonna right, have right, to stop. Right. So, that's I think about that more than anything. It's like she she had to start sharing. Yeah. And I think her being selfish gets for me because I wasn't the only child, but I was kind of the only child. Of, I was the Same. only child in my house. Same. So it was like I got Same. everything I wanted. So Same. people don't understand. Uh, 
aside from the plan of me and you supposed to be roommates and then you got uh, mm-hmm. had a child and, and that was kiboshed, mm-hmm. I had no... I wasn't like a person that was like, I need a roommate, man, because I'm I have no problem being dolo right. in the <laughs> house talking to myself. I mean, man, if I make this shot, I no owe problem. you fifty dollars. Yep. You're talking to me, <laughs> no problem. Me and me, just me, myself, and I. Yep. And that comes from me being an only child and being cool with it. I can understand there was some. There might be some kids who always wanted a sibling and wanted somebody in the house, and it just wasn't. It wasn't the case for me. Yeah. I was super cool. Having all the snacks and yep. just being so it, it, inherently, I'm a selfish person. Not right. in a mean way, right. but I'm very much like I can go and be a hermit for three days. Yeah. And, and 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 I had to work on that when I started dating Sierra because other girls that I've dated in the past relationships have started to have crumbled because it's just like I want I'm, I'm not a good texter or I don't call because mm-hmm. it's just like I'm in the house chilling man I'm watching yeah. TV I don't want to be bothered but it's like. It's not supposed to be a bother because you're dating somebody. Yeah. So, but you know, you learn and you grow up, and and yeah. I've I think I found a good common ground. I'm still not the best texter, but I'm better than I was at a point yeah. because I make an effort of being like, well, this is I'm this is gonna be rude. Let me put down the snacks and mm-hmm. respond to this text message or whatever, or try not to forget and respond and all this kind of stuff. So yes, understandable. She probably did. You know, that might have you know traveled down through the genetics, yeah, and you know, me, she might yeah. just be like, I'm I'm. For lack of a better word, self-centered is the best word to describe it. It it, it doesn't always mean like you're uh, um, vain or concerned, but it's like I'm very much about yeah. what's in my immediate vicinity of my life. It's just how you grew up. I be at home. I used to be home a lot, home by myself a lot. My yeah. dad used to work. Do the same thing I'm doing now. I used to work a whole bunch of hours. I used to be home chilling. Right. Yeah. You be cool home when? All right. Yeah, cool with it. Chill, you know, <laughs> go ride your bike a little bit, get into a little bit of trouble, come home, you back home chilling in your house, you know? <laughs> That's how it goes, man. That's life. <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah. So, uh, we were going to play a chance to rap a song, but fuck that, man. This is going out to Sophia, letting her know, even though when you see me and Fran on the sidelines teaching uh, little Fran how to play bully ball and get that jab step in, <laughs> you know, you can never be replaced. You are who you are. So this, we're going to take a quick break. This is Will Smith, just the two of us. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. From the first time the doctor placed you in my arms, I knew I'd meet death before I let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up. From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get the car seat in right. People driving off fast got me kind of upset. Got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet. That night, I don't think one wink I slept as I slipped out my bed to your crib. I crept, touched your head gently, felt my heart melt because I knew I loved you more than life into my knees and I beg the Lord please let me be a good daddy all he needs love knowledge discipline too I pledge my life to you so All right, and we are back, Fran. It is your turn to go first this week, so I, you know, give you the floor. So my friend of murder this week is, his name is Alofa Tom. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, what? Alofa. Alofa Tom. Alofa Tom. Man, that's a name you give to, like, when you prank call somebody. Alofa Alofa Tom. Yep. Like, can I get a loaf of that time? Yep. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. His name is Alofa Time. Alofa Time. So, a twisted and gruesome story of murder unfolded Thursday in the in the Treasure Valley, resulting in the death of an innocent mother and her little girl, and the decapitation mm. of the suspect's ex-wife in her Napa home. Police say the story began Wednesday night, where a man brutally killed his ex-wife, cutting off her head, according to officers. Thursday, the story ended with two more victims, an innocent mother and child, traveling on Franklin Road near Cloverdale. At six, at, at about six thirty, at about six thirty, we had a Boise police officer who was eastbound on the Franklin Road. Says Mike Webb, deputy chief of the Boise Police Department, he saw a truck in the he saw a truck in front of him swerve into a car in the oncoming lane and crash into passengers. Mm. So this is like a head-on, head-on collision. Right. Inside the car were a mother and her two young daughters, 36-year-old Samantha Murphy and her four-year-old, four-year-old daughter Jaylen were killed instantly, mm. leaving eight-year-old Sydney as the lone survivor. Mm-mm-mm. Police say the driver of the pickup, 50-year-old Alofa Time, Fifty year old Alofa Tom. Is he like a Nigerian or something, or did they give his ethnicity? Or? No, he he looks like he's Hispanic though. Alofa. But I don't I don't can't I can't really tell. Can't Alofa Tom. Yep, Alofa that's Tom. wild. That's mm-hmm. a wild name. Yeah, so it was fifty year old Alofa Tom purposely drove his truck into Murphy's car. Oh wow. Yep. They determined that that it was he yep. did it. On, wow. Yep. But the story doesn't end there. Deputy Chief Webb goes on to say that as. As other officers arrived on the scene, they found a horrific piece of evidence, a severed female head lying on Franklin Road. Oh, wow. Because of that, because of that discovery, the, the information from Tom, Napa police rushed to his home. They gave us information that he had gained from a personal, a person involved in a crash that he had been involved in a homicide in Napa, says Lieutenant Leroy Forsman of the Napa Police Department. Mm. And it was there... At the Lotus Springs subdivision where officers found the decap- decapitated body of his ex-wife, 47-year-old Teresa Tom, in the garage. Wow. The female... So her head he took was in the like, passenger seat the of car, the car. Yep. So he took the head. Wow. Yep. Took the head with him. The female was sitting in the driver's compartment of the vehicle, says Canyon County Coroner Vicki Disquez-Morris. Obviously, she had been decapitated. Which saying just the body was the head was with right. him in the car. Tom had a history of violence, according to court papers. Justice just this spring, Alofa was charged with domestic battery against Teresa. Mm. A a no contact order was issued at Teresa's request, but she later asked the judge to lift it. Which is all you know when you hear that. When people show you who they are, yeah, believe them. Yeah, it's not a fluke. If a man puts his hands on you. It was not a uh, accident or he got a lost in the moment. That means he's capable of violence and you need to get out of that relationship immediately. Yeah. Because it can only escalate from there. If he hits you hard enough to black your eye or if he's or if he's quote unquote smart enough to hit you in a place where you it won't be seen, that's diabolical. Mm-hmm. That's more scary than a dude getting like drunk and backhanding you and crush your mouth. A dude that says to himself, well, I'm gonna punch her in her stomach, or mm-hmm. I'm like in the ribs where she can put clothes on and won't be seen. You need to get out of that relationship immediately because it can only go further from there. It can only get more terrifying from there. Yeah, that's crazy to 
to put out an order of protection on somebody and then say, in my mind, I'm I'm assuming Teresa and her, they, you know, mended things. And, mm-hmm. Well, he's it's cool. He's fine now. Yeah. It's, it's never. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Remember that though. Remember the whole domestic violence thing. Remember that part. So a judge originally denied the request and asked Teresa to first take a domestic violence victims class. She did, and on May 30th, just 16 days ago, the couple was allowed to see each other again. Neighbor Pete Romo says he never heard noise from the Times home, so when he learned about what happened just a few houses down, he was shocked. They were just really quiet people. Kept They kept to themselves and never really said much. We would wave every now and then, but they were really just quiet people. Now, it's up to detectives to figure out why Teresa was murdered. Her body is with the coroner's office and the bloodstained car she was found in um, a, a part of the police evidence. Degas Morris was still shocked by the entire day's events. In my 22 years, this is probably the most brutal, the most brutal I've seen, um, given the whole picture. News Channel 7 is told that Sydney, the 8-year-old a- accident victim, is doing much better as she recovers from the hospital. That's the other, the, the lone survivor in the car. Yeah. yeah, her grandfather and step her stepmother are with her now. A loaf of time is charged with two counts of second, of second degree murder, in Ada County and one count of first degree murder in Canyon County. Um, Caldwell, Idaho. There's new information that indicates a loaf of time allegedly sexually assaulted his ex-wife mm. Teresa the night she was murdered. Details are spelled out. And details are spelled out in a one-page letter he wrote, which officers found in his wallet when a loafer was questioned at the scene of the deadly accident he's accused of causing near nearly two weeks ago. Wow. He immediately said to her that he had killed his wife and that he was going to commit suicide. So him, that traffic accident was, was, he was, was planned. To kill was planned. Yep. Wow. Um, he was... So he was going to commit suicide and kill himself, said Detective Brandy Sutherland with the Napa Police Department. What and a it, shitty way to try to commit suicide. Yeah, like and t- then driving into another car. And that's when it's like you think about it, you go, you know, life is fucked up and unfair. For somebody to go, I want to die, I want to kill myself, and this is the way I'm gonna do it, and then that doesn't happen, and it causes some like it's like super fucked up. And then that family is just coming home from getting ice cream or whatever. And that mom, the last thing she saw was an accident yeah. that she she might have thought it was on her, doesn't know what happened, and now she's dead. And it turns out that wasn't an accident. The guy just was trying to kill himself yeah. and whoever was he ran his car into. And that woman will never know that. You do it that way? That's, that's, Head on? Drive like, it off that's... a cliff or something. That's why... That's that's crazy. That's insane. And then to survive is just that's that's wild. Right. You killed a kid and her mom. Yep. And ruined a little girl's life. Yeah. So in a recording of Lofa Thomas probable cause hearing on June fifteenth, Napa police detective Brandy Sutherland recounts Alofa's phone call to his aunt in California that morning. He said he was intending on committing suicide, committing suicide and told her to cremate him. Cremate his body along with his three hundred dollars he had in his person. She wanted him to cremate he wanted her to cremate the money? Him and the money. <laughs> Burn me and whatever and the money what? I got in my it's pocket. It's not like he's Diddy. <laughs> cremate $300? I would have been like, okay, but if he would have did it, I would have pocketed that. I'm not going to honor that wish. Yeah. $300 is enough money to where 
it could help a person out. You know, you pay a bill with $300, but it's not some prized possession like uh, it's your your, your life's and your life's work is this $300. i am like, not burning $300. i am not burning three. What is on it? What's on a hundred? A Franklin? I'm not burning three Franklins. <laughs> I, can, I can spend that. I can't have it. Nobody can have it. So Sutherland says a loafer made. I don't like this. <laughs> Sutherland says a loafer made the call just one hour before he allegedly crashed head on into another vehicle, killing two people. When police arrived at the scene, they said a loafer had a considerable amount of blood on his shirt and spot of blood on his foot. His hands also appeared to have appeared to have and be covered with blood and, or dry blood. Mm. Also recovered at the accident was an accident scene was a letter Alofa had written officers found inside his wallet. Right. Yep. The ones the one said, I apologize for the brutality, brutalized and brutality, brutalized. And then he stopped writing that and apparently wrote other letters. So that's the first letter. Oh. Um, the other letter was entitled motive. And it included it. And it included the reason why he allegedly killed Teresa. I'm sure that was a great reason. Yeah. yeah, he says he was tired. Ready? Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> he said he was tired of his wife hitting him. Oh, come calling on. him names and making fun of his manhood. Now, now it's like, so what happened to the to to the whole domestic violence? I mean, domestic violence can go both it go ways. both ways. But they made but, it seem like it was, you know, him beating on her. Right. But maybe that's maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's why she was like, you know, it's okay. Just call it off. You yeah, know, you fine. know, we, we we worked it out. It could possibly, it could be 100% that. The case where the order of protection came out could have been him hitting her. But they've hit each other in the past. And She must have beaten his ass. I mean, I feel, like it was, um, yeah, I feel like it was more emotional. The yeah. part with the making fun of his manhood. Okay. But also, this man is just deranged. Yeah, like, you know. On just, so, um, yes, domestic violence can go both ways. Yeah. But you're also dealing with a person who is psychotic. I mean, yeah. he cut a woman's head off and put it in the passenger seat of his car. He's fed up. Yeah, um, he's crazy, but he was fed up. Yeah, with her. Uh, that's why you should not stay in a violent relationship because. Man or woman. Regardless of if she was putting her hands on him, she might have just been cool with that. That's the life she saw. Her parents hit each other, whatever. That's what a relationship is to her. You get in fights and arguments, whatever, and then you fix it. But to him, it might have been you're, you're turning the heat up on the kettle every time. Every fight, every insult, whatever, because mm-hmm. he's insane. And instead of, in her mind, it's like, nah, I don't know. We get in a fight. We make up. We're cool again. It's like, if she says something about... Me being five five again, I'm gonna fucking snap. And every time, cause it's building up, cause he's he's not mentally stable, and it turned into that. And that's why you got to get out of situations like that, cause you might think you're just going back and forth and love, passion, love is passion, and whatever these people think, men and men and women, cause it goes both ways of people thinking that if you aren't passionate enough to fight with a person. That it's not, that's what love is. It's fiery or whatever. It's like, no, nah, man, I'm, love to me is chilling. You know, it, 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 it's not uh, fiery and explosive and all this type of shit, man. So uh, people, you shouldn't, your significant other should not be putting their hands on you, right. period. And if they do, you need to get the fuck up out of there. Because this can, this can happen. You never know. You yeah. don't know. People show you what they want you to see. And it might be 
you know, a little slap in the face this time. And then the next time he might just pull out a knife. Yeah. She might just pull out a knife, you know, and it's like, whoa, I thought we were just fighting. I thought this is a wrestling or I'm slapping. I'm calling you this. I'm calling you that. And now a gun is out. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then now you don't know. You don't know where it goes from there. Yeah. So the one page letter also indicated that Lofa had allegedly sexually this is kind of gross. Uh, allegedly sexually assaulted Teresa with a broken table leg oh from a coffee God. table found in his garage. Alofa said he hopes that he hopes that that will give her eternal pleasure for life. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What a piece of shit. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a fucking gross thing to say. Yeah. I mean. That's, oh, I got a little. I got a little dick. Yeah, that's a fucking. I mean, gross, that is that's sick. That's a gross, petty thing to say. But for you to say that after you killed her, and it's like, oh. yeah, no, to, it's almost uh, like a little snide comment, yeah, like, exactly. a, like a little sarca- sarcastic uh, joke. Yeah, that's really gross, man. So Fox Fox Twelve News spoke with Teresa's relatives on th- on Tuesday. They are not ready to come to comment on the information in the probable cause hearing at this point. Canyon County prosecutors are seeking the death penalty against Lofa Time. Um, he is scheduled to enter a plea in the first degree murder case on Friday. And this was this was in two thousand six. Oh, okay, wow. Okay. Um so I don't know the it update. doesn't say the any update. Um I'm guessing Probably on death row. I don't know. It might be probably yeah. on death row. It takes a long time. Yeah. See now, in an instance like that, just to make my stance clear, that guy doesn't deserve to be alive. He's a terrible piece of shit. And they, it's not but about they can, him. yeah, but they can clearly see that he, he was crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He did it. I mean, he came out and did it. Wrote letters and whatnot. Yes. You could prosecute somebody like that. Yes. And give him the death penalty, but you know, for other situations, you can't. But. That's and that's my entire yeah. point. I. To, to come at me with stories like that to try to sway me against being against the death penalty, it's your point is moot to me because it doesn't have anything to do with the severity of what the person did. Mm-hmm. I think that guy's a piece of shit, and I hope, yeah. he, I hope he gets in a fight in jail and somebody stabs him and he dies. I genuinely believe that. I think he's a piece of garbage. To say that about a woman after you do that to them is disgusting. He doesn't deserve to have this gift of life. Mm-hmm. The death penalty to me has nothing to do with that person at all or any story of a guy raped a woman or he burned down a school with kids in it. All of that is, that's all terrible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with that to me. And that's the perfect example right there. I think that guy's a giant piece of garbage and should be dead. I don't think the death penalty should exist. And that's my stance on it. Um, That was nuts though. Jesus Christ. Yeah. With a loaf of time. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say on that. That guy's a giant piece of shit, and that's about all. I was just saying, um, it was unfortunate for his ex-wife, yes, but for the that, that innocent family that was killed. Terrible. Just because he wanted to kill him. It was just, Terrible. And it's another situation where it's one of those things where they went left when they could have went right. You know? they One little thing in that day. Let's not get ice cream tonight. Or, yeah, yeah we don't got to go to the parent-teacher conference. Or, oh, let's take make a stop at Grandma's house. And they wouldn't have been on that road. Mm. And ran into this guy who just had his own completely different thing going on. You're yeah. riding down the road. You don't know who you ride past, man. So many people in the world. Every day you walk past yeah. people who might have a person tied up in their basement. Yeah. Who killed somebody. 
is a child molester. You don't know. You walk past them, make small talk with them at the grocery line. Oh man, you got enough. You got enough eggs in that basket. And like, oh yeah, I do. It's egg night. And oh, you have a good day. And you make all these little, you know, remarks back and forth. You can talk into a straight up person who eats people, man. Yeah. You don't know. You just don't know. And that turn left, you could turn right, man. It really is that simple. That's that's really fucked up. That he. That's how he decided to commit suicide. And cremate my $300. Fuck you. <laughs> Your name's a loafer. Go fucking... Just fuck off. All right. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back. Friend, I was a little short on time this week. Um, I, f- I found a story that I actually had come across a couple of weeks ago. I did a, um, an unsolved murder, and this was a similar case to it. And so I decided to double back and tell that story this week. Um, is, is this unsolved? Yes, it is Ooh, another unsolved like uh, story. It is the the Burger Chef murders. Burger um, Chef. So this mm. um, story was written by Tony Reagan, and it's from the Indianapolis Monthly column on indianapolismonthly.com I don't know it might be a newspaper I don't know but I, I read it on the internet so um, like I said this is the this these are the Burger Chef murders okay <clears throat> an empty safe a missing car four dead after 40 years the unsolved Burger Chef murders that rocked Indianapolis during one of the most tempestuous years still puzzle investigators mostly because some believe they cracked the case decades ago 2242. They are four digits that Mel Wilsley can instantly recall. Oh, I thought somebody's name. I'm saying, what? Two, no, this isn't a loaf of. Uh, this is <laughs> 2242. Remember those numbers. Okay. The sequence is of no practical use to him, say, like an ATM pin or a co worker's phone extension within uh, the Marion County Sheriff's Department. And yet they are somehow more significant, if only because they torment him. The numbers live somewhere in the back of the detective's mind, among the scraps of memories from more than five decades of investigating criminal cases. Whether triggered by a new assignment, an article in the news or TV, a passing utterance, or just the quiet reflection that can settle over the clean desk of a 72-year-old career cop approaching retirement, they seem to frequently find their way to the surface of 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 Wilsey's consciousness. The numerals especially haunt him each November as the wind begins to bite and the last brown leaves fall. That's when indie natives of a certain age remember November 17, 1978, and four fast food workers who were kidnapped, murdered, and left in the cold remote woods of Johnson County that night. Wilsey's phone came alive with, the, with reporters and filmmakers and general citizens wanting to, comment, wanting to commemorate the crime now widely known as the Burger Chef murders. And his voicemail box was particularly full this year on what will be the grisly crime's 40th anniversary. And keep in mind, this is like, uh, I don't know, I guess Indianapolis is like the major city in Indiana, but it's still not a lot going on there, you know? Mm. So this is... Four kids get murdered. That's that's huge. That's 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 something that can last forty years. There. Yeah. Four kids got murdered here like last week. You know, it's sad to say, but you know, major cities just they got a higher tolerance for shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something really 
traumatic to stick in my memory as far as local news. I remember at this point, probably about seven years ago, a pregnant woman got hit by a dude on a dirt bike and mm. she got killed. And then they all, like a bunch of people, beat the dude up. Oh, shit. Cause he, and he was like hurt from his bike. And then so the police had to come and I believe he, he lived, but they fucked him up. But it has to be something like that, man, because just people getting shot, that's, it just, it doesn't stick like it should, Mm. sadly. But you come from a small town where it's like, everybody knows everybody and four kids got murdered, that's Mm. nuts. So, yeah, 40-year anniversary for something like this, there wouldn't be a 40-year anniversary for some kids getting shot down in the harbor. Except for their family, you know, their family, but like a, a news article being written about it, that's it wouldn't it wouldn't be it w- it's not as likely um so dozens of in- investigators from five different law enforcement agencies worked the burger chef case but the media calls willsey's call but the media calls willsey because he is one of the few detectives with firsthand knowledge of who is still around most have retired many have died willsey obliges because it's his job and he knows the media attention is a good thing for a cold case. The crime is unsolved. The killer is never brought to justice. Even after four decades and many of the parties involved have passed, there might be someone out there who knows something that could break the case open. And secrets are easier to keep when no one is talking about them. So Wilsey talks about it, rehashes his years of work, repeating the same facts and details in his in his dry soft-spoken mon- monotone year after year which is good man like 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 this just said when those cases go cold and people stop talking about it and it fades away from your memory that's how you lose crucial information mm-hmm. so if you just keep it around and just keep people you know you can have recovered people can have a recovered memory cuz you just keep it in their face mm-hmm. and that can help solve a lot of things but there's so many unsolved cases all across the country and it's just it, it's something that can never get caught up on, man. It really is sad how many cases, not just murder, but like rape cases, just mm-hmm. there's not enough man hours and not enough resources to solve all the unsolved cases. It's just something that could, it just can't be done. I don't think, I, I could be wrong. I don't mean to be pessimistic, but that's just how I feel. In December 1984, weeks after the crime's six-year anniversary, Wilsey got a call that an inmate in Indiana State Prison serving 95 years for an unrelated rape wanted to confess his involvement in the murders. That, conf- that, conf- that confession convinced Wilsey and his partners that they had found their man. That the years of sleepless nights and chasing leads all over the Midwest had been worthwhile. That morning, that morning families were about to get closure. And that a community living in fear of a killer on the loose was about to find peace. Of course, that never happened. The case gradually came apart, which is, I'll get to that later on in my story. An arrest was never made. The man Wilsey felt was responsible got away with it. He'll never forget that prisoner's name, his face, and even his DOC number, 2242. Four simple integers that, when put in order, spark many emotions in Wilsey. Anger, sorrow, shock, disgust, exhaustion, excitement, and more than anything, frustration. Not because he failed to solve the Burger Chef murders, but because he believes he and his, con- he and his colleagues did. For many people living in Indianapolis in 1978, 
the year must have seemed like the last they'd ever see. That January, a historic blizzard buried the city beneath almost two feet of snow mm. that 40 mile per hour winds whipped into 20 foot drifts. The National Guard was called out. 11 Hoosiers died, which is that the that's I think that's the team unless they mean the dogs. Yeah, Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, but I I think they might what mean like it? rescue I dog. I think oh. it's a dog. They died and it's trying to rescue people or something. Oh. I don't know. People, Shit. anybody from Indiana, which is on my one of my that's one of my flyover states. I made a flyover states list. Mm-hmm. Indiana made the cut. Um so I'll never know what a Hoosier is because I don't care to really know. But eleven of them died. So Damn. That's sad. I you know, um whatever it is. I think it's a dog. It's been cold as shit. Yeah, it must have been cold as shit. Maybe they use rescue dogs. Um while we're on the subject, I can just go ahead and um just let people know. I'd like to, you know, let you know, I'd like to hear people because I know we have listeners from all over the country. So um I want to go ahead and just uh list my updated flyover list. No offense to anybody, just my uh, presumptions about these states um, tell me I don't need to go there because there's nothing to do there and I have no interest in going there. Number one, Alabama, this is no particular order. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Mississippi. Number three, the Dakotas, both of them. Number four, Kentucky. Number five, Arkansas. Number six, Indiana. Number seven, Iowa. And number eight, Connecticut. I just... I have no desire to go to any of those places. Um, I, don't, I don't know what I would do there. Um, in my mind, all those places, the big attraction is they just built some kind of avenue where there's a world of beer and all the people who don't live near that place, they're super excited to like, let's not go see a movie at the local place. Let's go see Lion King at the new movie theater they built 20 miles from here. And that's like the big thing you do with it, all those places I just named in my head. I could be wrong. Somebody made a case for Arkansas earlier. Apparently they have a really beautiful museum. I don't know if that's enough to get me on a flight to Arkansas. I'm about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's got to be. I need a little bit more than the museum, <laughs> you know. Um, but shout out to Arkansas, I guess, and all the other places. I just probably won't see me there ever. Yeah, so like I said, 11 Hoosiers died. Um, on November 18th, the day after the Burger Chef murders, Jim Jones, religious leader of the People's Temple, which got its start in Indianapolis, orchestrated a mass murder-suicide by drinking cyanide in Jonestown, Guyana, along with 918 of his followers, some of them Indiana transplants, 300 or so of them children. So Indiana had a really rough year in 1978. Uh, Sorry, but a Hoosier is just a native from what I'm... Is that like what you call somebody from Indiana? I think it's just a native. Well, all right. Sorry, I don't know why I thought it was a dog. So that school is the Indiana local citizens? Unless I'm wrong, but never, that's, never that's the definition. <laughs> that's the definition of it. It's a terrible mascot name. <laughs> Rest in peace, to those eleven people. But that's a, why. Is, why are they called that? Um, like I said, so Jim Jones is tied in in 1978. There's this blizzard, and then all these these four kids get murdered at this mm-hmm. burger place. So it's a rough year to be an, a Hoosier. Mm. Um, Armageddon seemed to settle directly over the tiny enclave of Speedway, where in July. Uh, a 65-year-old woman was shot and killed by an assailant in her own garage. Mm. Only the third recorded homicide in the 52-year history of the suburb of Speedway. That's that's a good run. And in September, 
A series of eight random soda can bombings in six days left two citizens injured and an entire community on edge until the bomber, a local musician and political activist, was apprehended. So, what? again, 1978 was going up in oh, uh, uh, Indiana. Soda can bomb? Bomber? Uh, maybe put like a cherry bomb in it. I don't even know. Uh, uh, that's pretty. That's dangerous. Yeah, man. Pieces of metal. Yeah. Stuff. Shrapnel. <sighs> so, Indiana was nuts. Um, so on the morning of Saturday, November 18th, when Speedway police responded to a reported robbery and an apparent kidnapping at Burger Chef at, five two, at 5725 Crawfordsville Road, they had every reason to fear the worst. Because like I, like I said, it's been hell. So mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, fucking God. It's the end of the world, man. Yeah. Um, so they pulled up ready to go. An off-duty employee arrived at the fast food joint around 12, 15 a.m. to find the back door open with no one else inside. Four employees had been working the previous night. Assistant manager Jane Freed, who was 20, and workers Daniel Davis, who was 16, Mark Flemons, who was 16, and Ruth Shelton, who was 17. So this was like a burger place, like, a, you know, mm-hmm. teenagers work there. So this is like the manager, who was 20, and then a bunch of teenage kids, man. Um... The four of them were missing, along with about $581 in cash. I don't know what that was in 1978, but it was probably like $800. Not yeah. worth... Yeah, that's oh. a guess. It's a guesstimate. Not worth four kids being kidnapped. No. Police found two empty currency bags and an empty roll of adhesive tape next to the open safe. Two women's purses were also left behind. But some of the employees' jackets were missing along with Freed's 1974 Chevrolet Vega, which was found later that morning abandoned about a mile and a half south on West 15th Street. Speedway police told the newspapers that it was very a very peculiar case because there were no leads and neither they nor the employees' families had received a ransom call. One initial theory was that it was simply a case of petty theft with the young workers taking the cash to go joyriding. It's almost as if the cops never considered that the missing youths might be dead. Burger Chef employees cleaned the crime scene and the restaurant was reopened the next day. Why did they do that? Because they just were like, well, the kids probably just ran away for a bit. They'll come back. They probably took the money out of the register and quit their job in the middle of the night. They just went on like nothing. And just cleaned up and opened Burger Chef back up the next day. Got wow. it all messed up, all that evidence, messed the crime scene up because they didn't think it was a crime scene. They were like, I don't know. Kids left the door open. Clearly, they just got sick of flipping burgers and quit right oh, on the spot. Man. Took the money out of the register as opposed to having a job, which you'll make $581 instead of splitting it four ways. That made so much more sense to them that these kids just all quit that night and went on a joyride. And so, why wouldn't we you don't... call the police? Well, the police did come. And that's what but they, they cleaned decide. up. Oh, they cleaned up after. The police came and they were. The police said that the police. Oh, were like, I thought the employer. Uh, oh, they probably just went on a joyride. So, oh, okay. Well, we don't have anything else to do. They'll come back at some point, I guess. But they stole. All right. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I didn't work the case. <laughs> it's like what? I didn't work the case. I don't. You know. Um. Yeah. So, like I said, that was one hell of a um one mm-hmm. one hell of a uh, theory that they went with. So. Um, Burger Chef employees cleaned the crime scene and the restaurant was reopened the next day. They didn't process it as a murder. They didn't know it was a murder, says Virgil uh, Vandegriff, a detective with the Marion County Sheriff's Department at the time. Uh, He said police didn't have a clue what was going on at the restaurant. 
they kind of messed up the crime scene. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. At the time, Vandegrift was an eager 35-year-old investigator watching from his office in downtown Indy and aching to get into the game and help solve this mystery. But, but protocol is protocol, and this was Speedway PD's case. Other local agencies had to wait for an informal invitation. At the time, we considered ourselves the elite agency in terms of investigation, says Vandegrift. We knew our phone was going to ring. It was just a matter of when. Very cocky. Uh, the call came days later when residents stumbled across two bodies in a secluded patch of Johnson County woods, mm. two miles west of the Center Grove High School and some 20 miles from the restaurant. Shelton and Davis were lying side by side, both executed in the back of the head with a 38 caliber gun. Are these, uh, these are teenage kids, right? Yes. And they're, they're white kids? Uh, one black kid, three white kids, yeah. I ain't black. Black people live in Indiana? Uh, sparsely. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like a, a peppercorn in a sea of salt. Oh, okay. Um, my guess. I know Miss Pat lives in Indiana. Hmm. Shout out to Miss Pat. Um, she says there's not a lot of white people there. And not a lot of white people? I mean, not a lot of black oh, people. Okay. Not a lot of black people there. It's like her and the dude who does the show with her. Yeah. And not yeah. a lot of, not from what I know. If this, if you want to, now, Michael Jackson's from Gary. Maybe Gary's a little more on the black side, but I would wager that, you know, Indiana as a whole state, not a ton of black people living in Indiana. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. That's the stereotype, but I don't know. It's on my, no, I will never know either. I'm not going. <laughs> um, so uh, Freet was later found a few yards away as if she had been trying to flee when she was chased down and stabbed twice with a hunting knife mm. the weapon uh, its handle broke off and missing uh. was still lodged in her chest I hate to hear that man. yeah I, mm. that's a lot of force you know yeah. um, Flemons who had also apparently fled had endured blunt force trauma to the head which was later determined to have come from a bludgeoning with some sort of chain prior to death. And and it said it was like they, they tried to get away. These two. So one of them was... So the two two of them were side by side, bullets in the back of the head. Okay. So maybe they lined them all up. This is... I guess, again, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Lined them all up Negan style, like Walking Dead. Bang, bang. They And then, so you get two of them, and then the other two take off. So I would assume they ran off in different directions. I want to know. Either way, how many one person can't catch two people. That's what I'm saying. When how many yeah. people was there, and they actually tried to run, how, how did he get caught? I, so it's like, well, yeah. I mean, they probably were in better shape, or you know, yeah. you know, they caught him, you know. So, and they, mm. I don't know if they, I wouldn't. They all got killed, which is tragic. But they, the two of them were executed. This girl was stabbed twice, probably roughed up a little bit, and then this other dude was beaten terribly until he died from blunt, for, blunt force trauma. So those were, like, for running. They that got sounds a little like, extra because they ran. That sounds like a movie scene where it's like, oh, he's getting away, yeah! Then, like, they hit a, a log or something. Yeah. God damn. It's fight or flight, man. I mean, I... You're not going to line me up. And and I'm not and first. And last? Yeah, yeah. No. I'm not just going... No. If I'm going, if I, it's four of us, I'm on the two. I'm gone. <laughs> on the one, I'm yeah. gone. But yeah, man, no. Th- um, that whole idea, I think about that often. Of like, if somebody broke in my house and had me get on my knees and had a gun to my face, 
I have to assume they're gonna shoot me. Yeah. So I have to fight for my life. Because well. the the alternative is I don't do anything and you just shoot me and I die. Yeah. Maybe but so the the alternative to that is maybe I can fight and you, you don't shoot me or you get scared and you run or the gun's fake. There's more possibilities if I fight for my life yeah. than if I just let you turn around, face the wall, and I get on my knees and just uh, comply. Mm. So, yeah, you can't line me up, four of us, and I'm not the first one you shoot. It's going to be a long day for you. Because I'm while we sitting there on the, on my knees, I'm just going to be like pretending, you know, whatever. I'm going to be tying my little bow on my shoe. Punch him in the dick. Pull a little knot. What? Oh, that's not what you? No, no, no. That's no, the no, no. I'm going to catch them off guard. You remember that scene in Superbad? When the police had them on the ground, and then yeah. Michael Sarah just like he dug, got up gone, and just gone. that's me. I'm going to run, and if that means getting shot in the back, I gotta risk it. Maybe they don't have. Oh, good I aid. thought you were talking about you no. I'm house. saying I'm gonna be sitting right there. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be tightening my laces. Boom. Get, oh. Make sure they don't come. Up. You know uh, you, you snatch those two bunnies. You ain't got time for that. You're not tightening. Your I'm laces. saying I'm gonna be doing it discreetly. Oh. I'm doing it secretly, like no. an agent. How you gonna be on your knees and tight your laces? Like like because like you have your feet. You know how you like on your knees and then your feet kind of curl back behind you? How you going to do that? <laughs> Explain I'm limber, bro. You want to tie your shoe on Not your tie knees. it. Just secure it. You know, I'm not. How? How are you going to do that? I'm sorry. Bunny, you got the bunny loops and then you just, you know, you bend you're down. You're on your knees. And you snatch the two you're bunny loops, but you just keep your head up like you're not looking. You're on you your knees. Snatch them. Snug them. Bro, you're on your knees. Mm-hmm. How are you going to tie your shoe on your knees? Look, man, don't try to poke holes in them. I'm just saying that. I, you don't know my capabilities. How is that physically possible for you to tie your shoe on your knees? Because you not you don't know you don't know my physical. Because <laughs> you know you can't. Look, man. Either way, I'm running. That's the whole point. If I gotta okay. take my shoes off, I'm running. Either way, I'm faster my shoes, shoes. Either way, my shoes are not gonna be a hindrance to me running. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that that's not the problem. I'm getting up out of there. Punch him in the dick first, then you run. See, but you punch him in the dick, they just shoot you immediately. You know, you gotta catch them off guard. I can still shoot you if you punch me in the dick. It's gonna hurt. People, I think people, movies make that shit. I think Home Alone, Home Alone really made that into a thing where that's so debilitating. Yeah. I can still shoot you if you hit me in my nuts. It's yeah. going to hurt. But Home Alone, if I was in Home Alone, if I was Jim Belushi in Home Alone, that kid would have been dead immediately. <laughs> All them games and shit and stepping on glass and burning your hand and he punch you in the nuts and you scream real loud like yeah. an opera singer. No, nah, man, I'm shooting that kid immediately. As <laughs> soon as I see him, they would... It was moments in that movie where they'd be like, I see him. And then they'd like freeze or talk, start talking to him. Yeah, kid, I'm going to shoot you now. And then some other contraption that he had gets him. No, nah, man, you got to shoot him immediately. And that's what they would do to me if I tried to punch him in the dick. So I got to start running, <laughs> zigzag, jump over some trees, dive, yeah. barrel roll, yep. get up. got to do all that. Keep him guessing. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm gone though. But they tried to do that and it didn't work out. So I mean, at least they at least they, they tried. tried. Yeah, they, tried. they tried. Not taking anything away from the two kids. They wasn't that, going out yet. You know, it's fight or flight. You know, it's yep. like some some people might freeze in that situation. That's yeah. what the two kids did. They they were there. The guy was behind them. You kind of just go. I can't believe this is even going on. This is happening. You can't. Yeah. Some people just can't. Some people can't yeah. move. Yeah. You're, you're frozen there. Some people, they fight. And th- these kids, they, they tried to fight for their life. Yeah. None of them were successful, sadly. But I like to think and hope that I'm one of the ones that tries to fight. Yeah. I mean, they went out. They went out. They made it hard for them. Period. At the very least, I'm going to make it hard for you. Yeah. You know, if that means I still die, that's tragedy. I I tried my chances. I'm going to make make it hard on you. It's it's not going to be a a piece of cake for you. 
I, I can't. I can't. I got too many people that care about me and love me yeah. to 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 not try to fight. So, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from the two kids that were next to each other because they clearly didn't. They clearly just complied. Maybe they thought they were just trying to scare them or rob them, and yeah. they thought they would go away. You That's know, scary. It's, it's very scary. I, you know, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. So reports say um, that the young man who died from blunt force trauma. They say that he uh, died choking on his own blood. All four were still wearing their brown and orange polyester uniforms, now soaked and caked with drying blood. Mm. The FBI, the Indiana State Police, the Indianapolis Police Department, and the Marion County Sheriff's Department were called in to assist. Vandegrift was brought in to help interview potential witnesses. But the two days following the crime... Uh, those most crucial and those most crucial to solving a major crime had already passed. That initial 48 hour window was almost immediately uh, closed at the time that the police uh, got involved because they had no clue what was going on at the restaurant, says Vandegrift. So, you know, like shout out the first 48, you know, it's very accurate. That's that's what that whole premise of that show is. is yeah. This is the key. This is when witnesses are still in town. This is when evidence is still fresh. And they lost that because the cops were under the impression that the kids went on a joyride and just stole the money out of the register. I'm not trying to blame the cops, but they lost a lot of crucial time because they just chalked that up to crazy, wacky kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, he said, we knew from the outset that we were behind the eight ball, which is like old white detective cop guy for we were we were we, we were we were lagging. Mm-hmm. We, we we had played some catch up. The situation in Speedway was particularly bleak since police had wiped the restaurant clean. There were no fingerprints, blood or hair samples to be collected. There was no way to know whether a struggle had taken place. All that was left was the hope that someone somewhere might have seen or heard something that could offer the detectives a clue. They fucked up, man. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, they fucked up. They mm. fucked they fucked up pretty good. Burger Chef, then a national fast food chain headquartered in Indy with a presence akin to that of McDonald's or Hardee's, which later bought the company out, put up a $25,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. Another anonymous donor offered $10,000. Hundreds of letters and phone calls flooded into the newspaper and police. Of course, because once that money goes up, that's when the phone calls start coming. The psychics come out and, you know, the dreams and all that. That's when that money goes up, people people get interested. Uh, Vandegrift was one of a gaggle of cops chasing down those leads. Some people thought that the murders were connected to the shooting of the elderly Speedway woman in her garage or perhaps to the bombings that had shaken the neighborhood just two months prior. The prevailing general theory among authorities was that this was some sort of robbery gone bad. One or more of the employees might have recognized one of the assailants or put up a fight and the rest of the workers had to be eliminated. There was a rumor that at least one of the victims had been involved with drugs possibly even even selling marijuana out of the burger chef. Perhaps the dealer owed money and the supplier had come to collect. So these are some of the theories floating around. The most solid lead was a witness who had seen two men skulking around the railroad tracks that ran near the restaurant not long before the crime was thought, was thought to have been committed. 
Vandegriff interviewed the witness and put together sketches of two men, one bearded, the other clean-shaven, from which clay busts were eventually made. I didn't even know they did that. That I would love to watch a documentary about... I feel like they don't do that anymore. Like, the police sketch artist mm-hmm. and apparently the clay artist who makes a fucking clay head. I'd, I'd like to see a documentary about, like, what do you... How do you get that job? You get your art degree and you just apply for that job? Like, a you know... And they how just often do, ske- do you they work? do sketches, though, right? They yeah, they bring them in. It really is a thing where, you know, if you're assaulted or whatever, they call John... And he comes down with his sketch pad and his little charcoal pencil. Yeah. And he, so are, are his eyes almond or would you say his lips That's were crazy. full or pouty? And, you know, so I, I, how lucrative is that? I like, I'd love to get the details on that job because Sierra could do that. Probably. Part time. I, you know? I don't think it's a lot of them. Not for sure about that. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't, since, I don't I, see a lot of America's Most able. Wanted came, stopped coming on TV. I don't just see this yeah. person's wanted. It's believe he looks like this. I mean, as far as having that ability to do something like that I don't think it's a lot of people out there that can do that that can go what has a what okay. yeah and then just well as outside of well I guess no I was gonna say like a boardwalk but that's you sitting there and they build you they draw you with like with a big head and you're in a little car yeah and it's like all cartoony but yeah just but just seeing what you're creating a person and off of off of words yeah. that's tough yeah that's really that's tough that's insane like his nose was thin and his eyes were wide apart and, that, and oh and you, that's him and then you make it and it looks that's like crazy. him. That's a talent. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 actually hard. Sierra's very talented. That I don't I don't know if she could do that. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, well, you just, you're basically just creating a person from visualizing that is the words of a person. So that's off crazy. of description. So yeah, that is that's really hard. You I don't, put me out there, they all gonna look alike. Oh what? My, got my got police legs, sketches, arms, all my police stick, sketches. Stick yeah, all, yeah, all my police sketches would look like. Uh, yeah, like Doodle Man. Or they'd have, like, I know how I, I started drawing, like, anime characters in, like, the 11th grade, so I know how to draw, like, buff arms. Oh, okay. So women, men, they would all have, like, buff arms yeah. and little shoulders and a cape. Yeah. I'm like, was he happy or sad? And then See, the little line? Yeah. Was he neutral? <laughs> do, like, a line across the... Th- yeah, yeah. Oh, I could never do that job. It would, All of them would be bald. It would be crazy. Or they just have, like, a line of hair, like a squiggly to the left and a squiggly to the right. Yeah. Uh, part down the middle hair. That's all I got. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hands be two lines at the end just, yeah. just cross it <laughs> some B's for hands uh, so several persons of interest were linked to those individual aides including one of whom Vandegrift tracked to a bar on the west side where a man had reportedly been bragging about the murders while off duty Vandegrift went undercover and met the uh, the person who was bragging and started playing pool with him the man all but confessed to Vandegriff, even snapping his cue to illustrate what he had done to one of the victims. But when, when police brought the suspect downtown, the man passed the polygraph test as he denied any involvement. There was no physical evidence, so police had to release him and move on. This is the guy that was bragging. Yeah. I don't hmm. understand what you get out of bragging about killing teenage kids. I don't know who's like, here's that at a pool hall and is like, yo, you're super cool. But apparently he 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 lied, you know. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but there's a whole documentary about a dude who confessed to killing a kid. I didn't know and it. he didn't do it. But he was the documentary, they he goes out in the woods, he's like, I strangled him here, da 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 da. And then the whole documentary is 
deconstructing how he couldn't have done it. And so you go, what does he get out of this? Aside from, you you can't say that. You, like that, there's no way that dude was in the pool hall thinking, well, if I say this in here, someday they'll make a documentary about me being this murderer and then I'll be famous. It, I don't know what you get out of it. Like what's your short-term plan? Because long-term, you can't be thinking about being in a movie or being infamous or something like that. You do you think like girls are gonna want to have sex with you because they you're like oh I murder kids so once you do that and then people start telling people you pretty you pretty you too deep now now you gotta keep telling it then by that point you probably start believing like shit I might yeah man I did it now not to I know I go on movie tangents but there's this movie um it's one of the last movies James Gandolfini did he was in um, The Sopranos and Tom Hardy from he's in the Venom movies and a great actor mm-hmm. and the movie is about this like kind of slow bartender it's such a good movie because it's slow the last 15 minutes is all that matters and spoiler alert so if you haven't seen the movie I don't know the name of the movie right now but I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it the movie the whole build up is he's this slow bartender and he, he, he gets this dog because he finds this puppy and he meets this girl and then there's this guy that lives in the neighborhood who's kind of like the neighborhood bully mm-hmm. and he plays real tough and he keeps picking at Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. The, but the flip is Tom Hardy, the bar he works at is a mob bar. So he serves the drinks or whatever, but they do the drops at his bar for the gambling and the mm-hmm. drug money. It all goes through his bar. So he is a bartender, but he's about that life. Mm-hmm. And this guy who's the neighborhood bully keeps going around the whole movie. And whenever he sees Tom's Hardy, he starts to pick on him and talk shit about the girl that he likes. And it's like, you know, I fucking kill people. I killed this dude named, you know, Randy Johnson. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I'm the toughest motherfucker. Don't fuck with me. And, and Tom Hardy's like, look, man, I don't want any problems. That's cool. I'm, it's, that's all right. And that's fine. That dude at the end of the movie comes in to rob the bar. And Tom Hardy's like, well, you can't get what's in this fucking uh, bar. So you can go ahead and leave. And the mm-hmm. guy's like, I'm serious, man. Um, I got this gun. Give me what's in the restaurant because I kill. You kill Randy Johnson. Yeah, uh-huh, I heard you. But you know something? <laughs> you didn't kill Randy Johnson. He's like, no, man, I did do that. And he's like, no, I killed Randy Johnson. And the dude's like, what? You, you know, so, and he tells him how he did it. And the whole time it turns out, they kept cutting to the dude's basement. Whenever he go home, he would go, he would go like in the basement and get something out of the basement. They would look at this, like a, a heater. Mm-hmm. He put that dude in the heater with lie. So that the body would decompose and break down. Mm. And he was the quietest dude the whole movie. And this dude was going around saying how he killed this person. And he didn't kill him. Tom Hardy killed the dude. So when the guy was like, what? No, I, I did kill him, man. I'm a badass. He's like, okay, yeah, I heard you. Bow. And he shot him. Kill, so, he killed him? Yeah. It was so bad. That movie's so good, man. I can't remember what it's called, but it's so fucking good. Because the whole movie is real slow. And he's just being a regular, normal guy. And then that last 15 minutes. Oh, so good, man. Such a good movie. So, I don't know why I don't know why I went in all that, but anyway, let me go <laughs> jump into this. That was nuts. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got stuff going on in rants about movies, but um, okay. So, so weeks became months, months stretched into years, and throughout 1979 and 1980, newspapers periodically reported a new prime suspect, usually someone arrested for a holdup or the a drop. Mur- Sorry. The, the drop. drop. The drop. Okay. Yep. Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini. Yeah, the drop. Oh, I'm at the watch. Highly recommend. <laughs> so good. You got to stick with it, though, because like I said, it's, it's like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. The first hour is just build up and you liking the guy and he's chill. And then it gets crazy. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. really good. Really good acting. Um, 
Yeah, so you know, every now and then a new a new suspect would come up because they committed a crime, and they'd be like, maybe this person is the person that did it, and they would follow through, and you know, the the case would continue to be unsolved. In June 1980, the ISP task force appointed to the case was disbanded without having made a single arrest. In March 1981, victim uh, Fritz's own brother, named James, was picked up on a cocaine charge and implicated in the murder only to be cleared of any involvement six days later. So they were just, this is the most dangerous time of a case where the the the, the, the department is desperate because now they're just grabbing people. Anybody, yeah. This is when they start, this is when false uh, um, false confessions can happen because you know, yeah. they, they just want to get the case off the books. And it's a high profile case. Kids died. They, they need to solve it. This is a very dangerous time. Hmm. They tried to pin it on this person's brother. So, uh, meanwhile, memories faded, trails ran cold, and streams of tips dried up. The public and many of, many of the police gradually moved on. Vandegrift stayed on the case. He studied, he studied hypnosis and hypnotized witnesses to better flesh out descriptions. He even sought out psychics. This is, look out, this is desperation. He even sought out psychics who might be able to help. One woman in Ohio went through a stack of more than 100 mugshots that Vandergriff handed to her. Uh, he handed her to them upside. He handed them to her upside down, and picked out people she felt might be involved. Upside down. Yeah, I guess. What is it? I don't know why. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, maybe that was. I don't know. That wasn't process work. or something. I don't that wouldn't work for me. A hundred mugshots. They yeah, start to blend, like yeah, start blending together. So of course she probably found a couple people where she was like this, him. Yeah, but none of it, none of it, not it was all none of it worked. Um, yeah, that's so she, said, and that's another reason I just start getting wrong, exactly. wrong people in there. You're you're talking to a psychic. <laughs> this is a police investigation. That's crazy as hell. So she picked out a bunch of people she felt might have been involved. Vandergriff swears the shots she pointed to match several suspect off suspects officers had at the time. Other so-called mystics were less helpful, like the woman who reached beneath her sofa and pulled out a Ouija board. Vandergrift just got up and left. Yeah. <laughs> just, what the fuck? Let me call on the kids that were murdered and ask them. Uh, I'm out I'm going to go. Gonna Thank go. you. I'm going to go. Sorry for wasting your time. Uh, yeah, so he just got up and left on that one. He said, in this case, it was go with anything and everything. It's not like we uh, went that route immediately. As soon as we felt there was reason to head that direction, we decided to do that. Excuse me. If it was a waste of time, it was a waste of time. But at least we tried something, which I I can respect. But psychics, come on, man. I'm not wasting my time. Yeah, Sorry. come on. In 1984, Wilsey was a 34 year old detective who had already been on the force for 16 years. So he jumped right in. I mean, he was like 17 when he joined the force. Um. Unlike Vandegrift and many other of his comrades, Wilsey had never been assigned to his had been had never been assigned to assist in the Burger Chef murders, though he had followed the investigation from afar through the media and water cooler talk around the office. That changed in November when he got a tip uh, that then that an inmate in prison at the Pendleton Correctional Facility was ready to confess to the killings. Jailhouse confessions are a staple of criminal investigations. Inmates overhear a fellow convict bragging, bragging or uh, unburdening himself or herself about a crime, and the informations 
and the informants flip that information to authorities in hopes of a reduced sentence or charges in their own case. Or a guilty party is ready to fess up themselves and maybe hand over his or her accomplices in exchange for preferential treatment. The tit-for-tat nature of these info exchanges more often than not amounts to little more than rumor-mongering. But investigators usually think it's worth at least looking into uh, these inmates' stories, especially in, an high, in a high-profile case that is going nowhere. And a lot of times, unfortunately, these are the cases where they feed the information to the person, they come in as a witness, and the case is all the 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 testimony from the inmate is always the same. We were in holding together, and he just they just came, they just told me yeah. the whole story. Mm-hmm. That anytime there's like a prisoner that's used as a witness in a case, that's always the story. Like, yeah, we were just at lunch and he was like i killed them people it's like all right man all that's the story every time i find that hard to believe and yeah. it's like the police of course they go yeah no we did not coerce this person into doing this but then it just turns out that they got off seven years earlier than they were supposed to after the whole trial was over that they can that they participated in now their their 12 year sentence got dropped to three yeah you know? i would you're fucking right i'll tell you whatever <laughs> you, want, you want me to say yeah he told me i i, I heard it I, i'm a witness you're fucking right as soon as I get it in writing, yeah. Oh, you'll reduce the sentence, man. Yep. Give me a script. Yeah, I'll study it tonight, and I'll see there. I'll be there in my orange jumpsuit on the stand, hand on the Bible. Yeah, I'll say what you need me to say. Um, the inmate Donald Wayne Forrester definitely wanted something. He was 34 and had just conv- and had just been convicted of raping a woman in Hamilton County. He had been sentenced to 95 years in prison mm. and was about to be transferred and was about to be transferred as a sex offender into the general population of the notoriously rough Indiana State Prison mm. in Michigan City. He didn't want to go to Michigan City, says Wilsey. No one wants to go to Michigan City. Oh, it's like that. Especially as a sex offender. It's like that if you were a robbery charge. Mm. But you raped somebody? What, he's beating you up? It's, people it's doggy dog. It's prison. It's a maximum security prison. Mm. They don't play around with sex offenders, child molesters, rapists. The, you don't get. You're not getting treated nicely. You might not get treated nicely regardless, but you definitely don't get treated nicely if you got that on your rap sheet. Mm. Uh, but once Wilsey and his partner sat down across from Forrester, there seemed to be more. There seemed to be much more to his story than conjecture. Wilsey already knew from background checks that Forrester had grown up in New White Land in Johnson County, not far from where the bodies had been found. He was living in Speedway, having been recently released from a prior rape conviction on the day of the crime. Wilsey and his partner got a court order to bring Forrester back to Marion County, where he eventually confessed to Wilsey on tape that he had shot Davis and Shelton. More than that, Forrester seemed to know things that only a witness would know. The detectives put Forrester in the back of a car and drove him out to Johnson County. Wilsey says Forrester directed them to the to the wooded area which had been secluded, which had been a secluded makeout spot for local teens for years. Forrester walked the officers back into the forest, right to the scene, and without any prompt, described where he shot Davis and Shelton and outlined precisely where precisely where and in what position the bodies were found two days later. He was correct, says Wilsey. Mm. That got our attention. So uh, that's when 
you as soon as I'm at you take me to the spot, I'm already like, oh, this month, this motherfucker did this. Yeah. But if he goes, yeah, and then his body was laid out like this, and his arm kind of did this thing when I shot. I was like, this motherfucker, this is the fucking guy. So uh, over the next two years, Forrester gradually fed Wilsey and his partner more and more information. According to Forrester, Jane Freet's brother James owed money from a drug deal. Mm. A fact that a fact that uh, his younger brother was uh no no well the brother that got arrested and they tried to pin it on he you know, owed the money he owed the money okay not even it. anybody from the burger place the oh. brother of the manager and they just went after they, they went, went after there. I don't know if they thought wow. she'd have I don't I don't know that's fucked up so yeah so Jane Freed's brother James owed money to money from a drug deal a fact that correlated with James Freed's criminal record. So he and the associates of the drug dealers came simply to threaten Jane. This is what um, the guy in prison is saying. Mm-hmm. So he just came there to be like, your brother owes us money. Tell him to g- give us the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, Fleming stepped in to protect her, which is one of the employees at the burger place. Okay. A scuffle ensued outside the restaurant and Fleming's fell and hit his head on the bumper of the assailant's van thus accounting for the trauma. So when he's telling that, this is stuff, because the kid, one of the kids was beaten up really badly and he died, the choked on the blood, he died from blunt force trauma. So a fight happening and then he hits his head on the car and then now, now this kid's out and this goes from a simple fight to everybody get in the fucking car. Like yeah, now it's like, just take no witnesses, yeah. this shit went sideways, this kid's hurt really bad, now I can't let y'all go. So this was just a, a threat. A this, threat. This was just a, a little bit of a chin check. Like your brother owes us money. Now, who was the? So was the? He was. He was threatening the girl. He was threatening the sister. Who was the manager? Okay. Now who was the guy? That, it was the dude that bumped his head. Yes, he was one of the other employees. Oh, Jane, Jane was. On, Jane was twenty. Man. She was the manager, and there was a seventeen-year-old. There was two seventeen-year-olds and a sixteen-year-old. So he just was like, "Hey, man, that's my manager. Come on." And nah. then the, uh, the scuffle. A scuffle broke out. Nah, bro. And that this all hearing this. If I'm the detective, I'm like, this all makes sense. This is all just, it was from some this stupid thing. This wasn't supposed to happen. It was some stupid thing, and it, it all just unraveled. So this goes beyond, you know, you might hear a, a, a bullshit story from a prisoner trying to get a reduced yeah. sentence that doesn't make any sense, but this makes so much sense. The, the brother was already picked up on cocaine charges, mm. so he's in that world. So this guy, this, this case has been unsolved for like eight years at this point, and you get this information, it's like, Oh, this is this is it. I'm fucking cracking this case. But that's that's wild though. Like that, for it to go, that wasn't as planned. It was just a threat, and then it goes like, so I'm in too deep fight, at this point. You get into a fight, and then y'all trip, bow, and the kid busts his head open, and he's in a coma, knocked out, not responding, and then people start trying to pick up phones and call the police or whatever. It's like everybody get outside, get in the car. That's what I'm saying. For him, it's like it's too. I'm too far in now. Everybody's got to go. I just got out of prison. Damn. So, um, so like I said, the scuffle ensued. The kid hit his head. Uh, believing that they had killed Flemings, the gang decided to take all four of the employees to Johnson County and eliminate any potential witnesses. Forster told the detectives that he had shot the two youths, but gave but gave the names of three other people he said were involved. So it was four of them. He's saying. Forrester knew about the broken handle on the uh, on the hunting knife found in Jane Freet, a detail not yet widely publicized. 
He said that he had thrown the gun into the White River and directed the cops to the bridge from which he chucked the weapon. Nothing was found. But Wilsey tracked down Forrester's ex-wife, who told him that days after the murders, Forrester had taken her to the wooded area where he left her in the car while he retrieved three or four shell casings. Mm. She said he took them back to the house and flushed them down the toilet. Check this shit out. Wilsey and his partner went to the house, now owned by someone else, and found out that the, that the house ran on a septic system. Mm. They obtained a warrant and dug up the septic tank. In the middle of an Indiana summer, they went out there and sifted through gallons of raw sewage. Mm. He said it was August. It was awful. Oh. But sure enough, deep in the muck, they found several 38 caliber shell casings. Wow. He said, I felt certain that we knew who committed the crime. Referring to Forrester. We had communications with all the agencies running over everything with a fine tooth comb, trying to come up with trying to come up with that one thing we might have overlooked that would clinch it. Then it all suddenly fell apart. On November 14th, 1986, someone inside the department with knowledge of the investigation leaked the details of Forrester's confession and cooperation to the press. Perhaps spooked by the possibility of retribution from his associates, Forrester recanted three days later. Losing his confession was one thing, Forrester was still on tape admitting to the deeds. But with but without the inmates' continued cooperation, progress in the gathering of more evidence stalled. So they couldn't use it? Well, what happened was they had his confession, mm-hmm. but they didn't have enough evidence to prove that his confession mattered, to prove that this wasn't just some wacky prisoner trying to get a reduced sentence or whatever the case may be. And once the whoever this fucking person was that was working in the um, on the investigation went to the press and said this guy in prison is cooperating, we think he did it. And then he he's now he's scared of the three other guys that he's implicating in the in the murders finding out and hurting him. He's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So he backed off, taking away any more potential information that he might have. The guy's names. Because the other three didn't get they the other get, three, he didn't give them their names. Mm. He was still he was they were they were working them. It took them all these. It took them two years to work them. From when they found out about this thing, it took them two years of driving them here, do, getting information, finding the shell casings, all this, getting warrants, and then one person made one fucking stupid mistake, wow. and the guy got scared and he backed off. He said, "I'm not doing this anymore." Damn. So that whole thing stalled out. And again, as I mentioned earlier. This keeps that dude Wilsey up at night because he's like, that guy did it. Yeah. But I, but the case fell through. Damn. And now he thinks about his fucking DOC number every day and that that guy did it, but the, the case is still unsolved. Um, On December 22nd, Marion County Prosecutor Stephen Goldsmith announced that Forrester would not be charged in this case. In fact, Goldsmith added, with this case gone cold again, he doubted anyone ever would be, which is a really fucking pessimistic thing to say on top of saying, I know you did all this work for the last two years, but we're not charging that guy. And honestly, probably nobody will ever get charged for this. So move on. That's crazy. what the judge says. Like, oh, it's been so long. Nobody will ever get found. And the guy, Wilsey's like, 
This is him. Uh, we found him. Nah, not enough evidence. So we're not going to prosecute. Damn. Because, and again, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know how prosecution works with a person who's already in prison. But if they lose, that messes up their conviction rate. Mm. And that's one of those kind of things where it's too risky. We don't want to move forward with prosecuting him because we could lose. The case isn't strong enough. Those are those political games that are played in the criminal justice system. And that's not strong enough. I know you think think it might be, but it's not. And we could lose, and then our conviction rate is messed up, and, and I can't get reelected. It's that kind of wow. stuff. It's that kind of stuff that goes into playing with cases that go forward and don't go and don't go forward. It's not just this is wrong. Let's. It's not always that. It's pretty crazy. So, um, there's no statute of limitations on murder in Indiana, but there is an increasingly tight timeline on law enforcement resources. Crime rates go up and down, but the case files that stream across detectives' desks and nowadays computer desktops are always steady. Plus, with a 50% arrest rate for major crimes, there's always a backlog of newly, of newly, of, of newly cold cases. For years, the Indiana State Police had a cold case unit dedicated to unsolved major crimes, like the Burger Chef murders. But due to budgetary constraints... That, that was disbanded. Those dusty folders were now to be pursued by cops solely in their spare time. So basically, these this the police departments all around this country, as far as cold cases, and just cases in general, mm. they're overworked, there's not enough hours in a week, there's not enough people to get to all these cases, so they just keep getting pushed further and further under that stack. It's like, there were there's 50 more murders to solve. We can't worry about Burger Chef. That mm. was 40 years ago. And then there's no cold case department anymore because of budgetary issues. So there's no department that can just focus on that. Right. It's like the cold cases get mixed in with the current cases. And so they get put in the bottom of the stack and they never get solved. So uh, after, the Forrest, after the Forrester lead fell through in 1986, Wilsey was eventually taken off the case. He and his partner were tasked with picking with packing up their Burger Chef investigation, which had occupied an entire room in the jail building. They took down the wall of mugshots of suspects and people of interest, emptied the file cabinets of paperwork, audio tapes and videotapes, and stuffed them into two massive boxes to be shipped to storage. In September, spurred by yet another reporter's call, Wilsey got curious about those case files. ISP main- maintains the, vo- the voluminous mothership of reports and and interviews in their cold case files but the marion county sheriff's department stores their own copies wilsey called over to the records division and much to his surprise after three decades and a couple of moves the boxes were still there dusty sitting in an off-site storage facility his two years of this dude's life that in a case that he believes he solved is he so he found it still everything he packed away 40 years ago or 30 40 years ago Hmm. He found it in 2019 and, you know, and I would say, uh, you know, what's, what's the word? Uh, like, you know, like re- reminisced, mm-hmm. but it's not fondly. It's like angry. Cause yeah. He thinks he solved it and it, it's still unsolved technically. Um, Wilsey went over there and removed the lids from the old dented boxes. There at his hands were the yellowing remnants of years of his life. Of course, among those folders was a hefty file on one Donald Wayne Forrester, 
the one-time suspect died in prison from cancer in 2006. But the man, his confession, and the number that was stenciled in his, on his prison jumpsuit will live as long as Wilsey is alive. Um, so that was the end of my story. That was the Burger Chef murders. Um, I'm going to go get a fucking lottery ticket, 2242. I'll be, I'm going to be playing that. I don't even play the lottery, but I'm getting me a 2242 ticket. And uh, yeah, man. So pretty sure that guy did it. Yeah. But the case fell through and they were never able to cl- uh, close that case. But that was the Burger Chef murders. Technically still an unsolved um, cold case murder for kids. Wow. From what sounds like if you if we believe what that guy said. Uh, a little roughing up gone bad. Like yeah. It's just supposed to be a little bit of a little, you know, showing of muscle and scare tactic and shit went sideways and four kids ended up dead. So, super fucked up. Uh, Wouldn't be me. In what, in what situation? If I was the guy that go, hey man, this is... Mm. Oh, you would've just let her, you just let her get uh, harassed? Everybody wants to, every Everybody's... guy wants to be the man who's like, hey man, don't do that. And I'm not that if it's not my own. Sorry, I'm just sorry. What about your, man, your manager? Back. What if it was the postmaster general? Oh, okay. Well, say say no more. <laughs> Frank gave me a look like, "What are you stupid?" I, 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 don't, I thought that was like your president. Like that's like, I have a family to go home to. I'm, <laughs> I've been looking over somebody. So somebody pressed the postmaster general outside of your branch, or your the branch, post station. I don't know yes. what you call it. Uh, and he's like. Hey man, your sister better call me. You wouldn't be like, "Hey man, look, we're at work." No, <laughs> you're not taking the AirPod out. Nothing like that. I got something. I got a route to get to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, that's not my problem, man. Understandable, man. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know, man. I don't. That's a tough one. That's a tough. That's one. a tough one. A woman getting pressed up on by some kind of. I don't know. He's a rapist, but I'm sure he looks sketchy. And some dude throwing his weight around on a woman. If like, he's not, if if he don't, if don't he's not physically harming her. I don't know if we're gonna fight, but I might go. You know, you might. It's, it's some little phrases you throw out to go. Hey man, I see what's happening. I don't want any confrontation, but like I see you, so like don't. It's like, hey man, we're just trying to work. That's not a. That's not a challenge. That's not. I a, think a call to you fight me, but it's like, hey man, I see what you're doing, and can you stop doing it? Cause we we got stuff to do. I think it would be. It would be somebody else before me to do that before I before I even thought about the, probably to take that action. That's one of those kind of things. Like I feel like I I don't think that I'm like a coward. And depending on the situation, like if I'm on a train and somebody gets on the main, they're like, "Man, I'll fuck up everybody on here." I like to think I I'm like to. I'm gonna turn him a value. He wasn't talking this to dude. me. <laughs> So I'll just this dude is crazy. So I'm gonna turn my value, and I'm getting off at the next. <laughs> and I wait for the next. Job. I like oh, to think. I like to think that. I like to think that I have like some kind of uh, quote unquote manhood or some kind of you know uh, toxic masculinity. I mean, that would go like nope. or something. But if his neck is thick like a pit bull, and you know he's got delts and looking, or he got a, a do rag is on him. I'm, I'm, I'll sit there. I'm not dealing with anybody that quiet. looks like they ain't got nothing to lose. No. That's a good point. Nah. That's a good point. Anybody who gets on a public uh, transportation with that many people on the thing is like, man, I'll fuck, fuck every anybody up. Yeah, <laughs> look at got, me. You yeah, you don't got anything to... <laughs> <laughs> who look at Next me first? Next person look at me, I'm knocking them out. <laughs> 
Get on Twitter. There's no service on the train. Oh, yeah. Ooh, uh, this is oh, my style. Donald Trump. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Boom. I'm getting off. Yeah. yeah. Off. Quickly. <laughs> nah, man. Oh, man. That's nuts. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, that was my affirmative murder. Friend, um, you've probably been pretty distracted, busy, big news in your life. Yeah. No, no. Uh, well, you told me Trans Raptor album. You got any, uh, as far as suggestions, I know you. Oh, no. I have any suggestions. No. But Trans Raptor, Trans Raptor, if you want to go, if they like that type of music, go check them out. Yeah. I, yeah. It's a great album. I like it. You so. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, you got anything? Um, I've been watching, well, I've been watching Handmaid's Tale for a few years now. I think I'm going to have to stop watching the show. I'm not sure. Mm. Why is that? Because it's just too bleak. Hmm. There's no, you know how you watch a show and the person, the main characters might just keep getting beat down and beat down and beat down. But you're like, the next episode, it's going to flip. They're going to revolt or stab one of the people or something to where you're like, yeah, did they, 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 stopped, ended, they couldn't take anymore. Did he end the episodes on like a cliffhanger or? Kinda. Every episode, the every episode, the main girl goes. Next week, I'm gonna turn this whole thing on his head. I'm gonna fuck them up. And then the next week comes and they like beat her up and whatever plan she had fails and wow. it's just sadness again and they never win and you just watch a bunch of women get beat up and hung and. And, and and oh, it's terrible! And they never get. There's never any get back. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't watch that. Then. Yeah, it's just it's always every episode you end. It's like, damn. I mean, are they gonna get a win? <laughs> and every episode you like. They just catching L's every episode. Every every episode. It's every episode they catch L's. They never and and then you go it build up and you go. But this next episode, she's got to do something. So they, they got to. And then the episode comes. It's like. They killed my mother. You're like, Dang. oh my god, what the fuck can they? Can something good happen? Never. It never happens. So I don't know, man. I I I, I just I don't think I I don't think I can keep watching such uh, despair. But again, uh, <laughs> Euphoria is great. Um, music wise, of Monsters and Men. Anybody, if anybody listens to of Monsters and Men, they got a new album that came out this week. It's a little more up tempo. I like that a lot. And I've been listening to. Only this one song by this girl, Flo Millie. Uh, it's F-L-O-M-I-L-I. -I. Is that she, the one you was playing earlier? Yeah. Okay. It, it's a very fun summer song. It's kind of on the that ratchet Cardi B kind of vibe. It's a fun summer song if you like rap music. And uh, other than that, um, that's all I got. Episode 90, 10 more to 100. Uh, Three-year anniversary coming up soon. Wow. It's been a great run, man. This is very fun. I enjoyed wow. doing this. Uh, That's fast, with you, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. Man. You put these mics on. I feel like every episode we get a little better, we get a little smoother. Whenever I get a message from anybody saying, "Man, you, I love this podcast." I'm on episode twenty. I'm like, oh god, I can't even go back, and I don't even want to know what we sounded like on episode twenty. Not that we cracked the code. I don't think we'll ever crack the code. I think that's. I think that's what makes it so fun to me is that the first couple episodes were, were terrible, terrible, terrible. We were using one mic. Yeah. Oh man. So I to anybody I forgot about that. I hope I hope they ride it out and get to this new quality when we change the songs up, got new mics, and yeah. I think I, I could never go back and listen to like episode <laughs> five. I'm like, oh my god, it's probably terrible. But I think the charm in it is they that they don't do that. Yeah. Like laugh. Please don't. You know, <laughs> talking about trying to get a, a, a endorsement from Zlicious popcorn that never worked out. They did not return our calls at all. Um, but I yeah, I think, it, so it don't matter. Yeah, I, I, 
<laughs> I'm almost 30 years old. I'm not going to eat caramel apple candy. It's, it was too much. I'm going to get cavities. Um, I think part of the charm of what we do is that it is imperfect and, you know, we're not trying to be experts or anything like that. So, again, I always try to make sure I tell people it's in the description. This is an amateur true crime podcast. It's a conversational. And I think that's what makes it charming. man. I, that's why I enjoy it so much is that it we're not trying to uh, win a Nobel Prize and Mm-hmm. go and solve any of these cases and go down to Georgia and like interview people. I respect the podcast that do that type of stuff, yeah, but that's that. just not, that's not what we do, man. We enjoy true crime. We enjoy talking about true crime, but we enjoy doing it in a casual fashion. You come with some iced lattes and just kind of chop it up and get fucking blown away by crazy stories. And I like it that way. I don't want to become too professional. I, I like the format that we have. So, um, I, appreciate everybody that's been listening and again I, we're not at 100 episodes and we're not at three year anniversary yet but i felt like a need to just kind of say um appreciation to anybody that listens and um it's been a hell of a ride and we hope to keep the ride going for as long as possible so got anything else you want to add friend congratulations again of course thank you uh nah man just hope everybody stick stick it out with us and uh i mean i enjoy doing this Every every weekend and whenever we can do it, yeah, for but sure. I just like the fact that I get to educate myself definitely weekly. Yeah, um, it gives me a chance to to read about something that I you know I can learn from. For and sure, just have a reason of doing things. So for it's sure, just, for sure, for sure. But I, but I appreciate you know. everybody listening to us every week, though. I really do. Definitely, much appreciate everybody. Make sure you know when you hit, when you listen when you hear this, give your love to Fran. Congratulations to Fran again, baby bouncing baby boy. Um, but Sophia came first. Yeah. And that just is the way that it is. <laughs> but as soon as that kid is uh not on his knees crawling around, oh, we're getting these drills going. We get the Fisher Price goal. Oh. Set the cones up, yep. have him doing baby suicides and get him right. Until he goes, I don't want to play ball anymore, but other than that, yeah. We're not we're not going to force him. Yeah. No, no, no. Only not. pure passion, you know. Yeah. Only if he has the desire. Yeah. But if he wants to, you know, uh, play soccer or baseball or something like that. I can't help him there. Support. <laughs> Support, but I don't I don't know how to swing a bat. Nope. My baseball team in high school went, went 0 and 16. So yeah. I mean you thought you were doing something, so I was on varsity as a tenth grader. Alright man, we don't I don't think we have time to go there. Well I'm just saying I I already <laughs> I already shit on the team. You didn't have to add that. That was unnecessary. Alright. I, I was on varsity though. Okay man. Hey. Don't get me fired up man, okay? <laughs> Let it go. This has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. <laughs> I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.